conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. We are at episode 200. It is many, many episodes, and I am joined today by Jacob Tender, Mirjani Rawls, Mitchell McDonald, and Mike Comite, me and four dudes, talking about Star Wars rankings. It's going to go <laughs> superbly. How are so you guys far, all so doing? <laughs> very, Just very good. really hard in New York City. <laughs> Congrats on 200 episodes, Deanna. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Huge milestone. Very proud. It's so incredible many episodes. And you're Don't ask me what the others were, but I did them. <laughs> it's not even like you did like 200 episodes of just this show. It's you did 200 episodes of this and countless other episodes of other shows. You're just, yes. you're, you're a workhorse. It's amazing. She really does have, have quite quite the work ethic it's very it's very impressive hip hip hooray for uh deanna all right thank you thank you real quick before we dive in though i actually want to tell everyone about another podcast that i'm working on called disney dependent it is about all things disneyland and california adventure it's hosted by a brother and sister james and sarah and james's wife ash is one of the producers it's really fun if you miss disneyland or if you just want to know what it's like to visit Disneyland without visiting Disneyland. I remember Disneyland. <laughs> Once upon a time when Disneyland was open. <laughs> I remember the before times. <laughs> but today we are going to rank all 11 live action Star Wars movies. I personally rewatched every single one of them. I'm sure the rest of you did not. <laughs> I would never Insane. rewatch a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> I, I watched, rewatched two of them because I didn't. I, I didn't remember them as the two as well. But yeah, I rewatched two as well. I just felt like if there was ever going to be a time where I was going to watch all eleven in a row, this would be my best excuse to do so. I remember a week ago you saying that you weren't going to do that, and but here I we did. are today. I lied. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I rewatched six of them. A random, a very random six of them. <laughs> does uh, two of them does were Disney Ewok Plus have a shuffle now? <laughs> no, Netflix does. No, it was just the ones that I felt like I hadn't seen the most recently, and also I didn't want to watch uh, one of the newer ones. But I watched most of the new. I, I watched like most of the newer ones and all the prequels. I definitely needed to revisit the prequels because I forgot most of them. This was only the second time I had ever watched the prequels, so it was kind of due for a rewatch for me. But we're going to kick off round one with our 11 through 8 picks. Mirjani, you're up first. Oh, man. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Put, yeah, thank you for putting me to the fire first. All right, my 11 through 8. Uh, I know... It was actually, like, for an 11, it was actually really tough for me to put this one at 11 because I know it's very fresh and it just came out recently, even though it seems like ages ago. 11 is Rise of Skywalker for me, unfortunately. Hell yeah. Starting out with the hot take. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel I, that. I support that. It's, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, if 
if we want to go into it later, like I'll go into it, but um, 10 is Attack of the Clones, uh, 9 is Solo, and 8 is The Phantom Menace. Wow. That's an interesting <laughs> mix. Like, I mean, I, you, you kind of expect to see some some prequels down at the bottom, right? Yeah. But man, Rise of Skywalker, yeah. that's 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 hot. I'm very interested in, in why you think that. Uh, okay. <laughs> when... <laughs> When, safe space. This is a safe space. Yes. Okay. So when I went to go see Rise of Skywalker, like everybody, I'm sure in this panel, we were all anticipating it. Like it was like the end of the trilogy. Even though you know, with the Last Jedi and how split everybody was, like I'm like, okay, like we're finally gonna see the end to like Ray's story. Uh, spoiler: like Senator Palpatine coming back. Maybe this would be cool. It's a little bit, you know. A little bit jarring. I'm like, oh, he's back, but like, it's cool to see him back. It was the first Star Wars that I saw, and at the conclusion of it, one, I didn't really know what to think, and two, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. Even with, you know, Revenge of the Sith and that ending, where like you see a new hope starting, you felt. I'm like, oh, like even though I've seen a new hope and I know where this is going, like I feel. You know, with John Williams' uh, Jedi score, it goes in, like, I feel like something. Like, it feels like, you know, with Anakin dying and going to Darth Vader, I just didn't feel anything here. Mm. And it's weird because I think, for me, Rise of Skywalker, it's basically the whole process of Disney not really knowing what to do with the property. Like, they didn't have a plan uh, like the Force Awakens was one movie, then you know the Last Jedi was another movie, and then it seemed like the Rise of Skywalker was redconning a light, lot of the Last Jedi in it. it. It's more so the sum of parts to me. Like there's stuff in Rise of Skywalker that I did love, but it's just like there's like for instance like the kiss and everything. Like I just I'm like what? Why are we making these choices? That that's probably why it's at the bottom for me. I have the same four at the bottom of my list in a wow. different order. I agree with everything that you just said. Yeah, I, I totally echo the the feeling of like, you know, if I was ranking them based on how much I like them, then yeah, that would be my choice for my bottom two. And not because I thought it was a particularly bad movie, but I just, you know, it just, as a piece of the saga, it didn't wrap things up that well. I mean, it, it wrapped things up, just not in a satisfactory way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That movie. I, j- I watched it yesterday. It sucks. <laughs> it's so bad. It, it, it fucking sucks. <laughs> Every day it sours just a little bit more for me if I just think about it. It just, it, it just, it's, it's so bad. Um, you can't. Yeah, I, I, everything he said was was spot on. I mean, it just is like such a such a like walked back it walks back everything that the previous movie did. And that's just unsatisfying. Yeah. It's just, just like when, from a viewer perspective. Yeah. For instance, like with Ray and when she says like, she's Ray Skywalker, I was like, ah, oh, man, like the last shot I did a thing where she's like, I'm not of anyone. I'm my own character. And I thought that was really cool. An interesting plot that, that they were going to go through. And then now that she's like, you know, Palpatine's granddaughter. And like, you know, now she, she essentially is choosing her own path, but it's also being a Skywalker. I would love to see like Ray, you know, not knowing like where her parents came from, not knowing her lineage, striking on her own Jedi path. 
And it's just like, yeah. Or even like not a Jedi thing. Like if yeah. they're, I, I think I thought the speculation before that movie came out was going to be like, oh, they're not going to be Jedi's anymore. They're going to be like Skywalkers or something like that. Or Ray is going to. Did you? Did anyone in here read the uh, Colin Trevor? So what happened was uh, they brought in when Disney got the new trilogy, they offered it to JJ Abrams and they were like, Hey, can you make these three movies? And then he was like, no, but I'll make the first one. And they were like, okay. And then they were going to have Ryan Johnson do the second one. And then they were going to have Colin Trevorrow do the third one. And then, uh, so they had Ryan Johnson do the second one. And then when book of Henry came out and was like the worst movie ever, they kicked <laughs> Colin Trevorrow off of, off of the third one. And were like, uh, JJ, can you come back and do this? And JJ was like, uh, I guess. So that's kind of why these movies, why that trilogy is so disjointed and so has such little like uh, thematic, like an arc that makes sense at all. Uh, but yeah. did anyone in here read that that Trevorrow script? Because I heard it was a lot better than uh, than the movie that was made. I did not, but I feel like I'm going to now. <laughs> yeah, you got to. Um, I, I read about a quarter of it and I was very thrilled by the opening scenes and the dynamics between the characters. I just think like it, it was just a, it was the better movie, you know? Yeah. I heard it was kind of like parts of it were like workman, like, but it did resolve like the arcs and the trajectory of all these characters in a way that felt satisfying and that felt like earned. Which, which really that bothers me so much that it did it so that he that Trevorrow did it so well because I, initially I I mean I hated the Jurassic World flicks and okay. I was just like so uh, like appalled when they when it was said that he was going to do the third Star Wars and I was like oh he's going to okay. Jurassic World it and it turns out that you know it was the exact opposite like I wanted J J Abrams because I was so thrilled by the Force Awakens and mm-hmm. um, then you know <laughs> we saw what happened I don't know it's 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 just the it was more interesting in in the the Trevorrow script, I think. So, as somebody who who doesn't have that movie at the bottom of their list, yeah, let's hear you, Jacob. So, I, I I can totally agree with everything that all of you have have said about the continuity and you know the the change in directors. I think that is rough, um, and that definitely did a disservice to the end of this this not only this trilogy but the saga. Personally, I liked the way it ended in a lot of ways but i think there is something to be said about the inconsistent story and how it was created as it went along um i think if jj would have taken it on from the beginning it would have been a lot more consistent and probably would have pulled together in a in a much nicer way with a little bow on top um but going from jj in the force awakens to johnson in the last jedi it was just such a huge shift in tone and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But when you have a movie that's, you know, very nostalgic and very feel good, like The Force Awakens was in a lot of ways, and then you jump to something that's more arty and a lot more, you know, high concept in in a lot of ways, I think it, it was going to be rough to land any way that you went. Yeah. And I've not read the Trevorrow script. I've, you know, I've, I've watched some stuff about it and there were some cool elements to it. But I think even with that once it you know that was a script it was not a movie so it's right. hard to really comment on how if that was a better movie than the movie that was made because it wasn't it wasn't made and we don't know that that right. even if they would have kept with Trevorrow that that's the movie that we would have seen on screen so sure. i think it's tough to um to judge the last movie based solely on its you know i i don't know like i i totally understand 
that it didn't land with a lot of people. There were a lot of elements to it that I absolutely loved, though, as some of my favorite moments, some of my favorite scenes and settings in Star Wars. So even though it's not at the top of my list, I feel like I have to defend it just a little bit. <laughs> I'll be nice to it, too, because on a second watch, I did enjoy it a little more. There were some things that didn't work well on a rewatch, like the whole scene with Chewie and the transport. I was like, okay, that doesn't really play well the more you see it because you know what's coming. And I think my main problem with it was the fact that, like some of you guys said, with Ryan Johnson's idea in The Last Jedi, it could be anyone. And Ray didn't have to be a person who ended up having this, you know, sort of historical last name in the Star Wars universe. And (laughs) so for me, I think that was the thing that was the most disappointing, especially with the way the movie opens. I was just like, what is going on here? I had forgot like the first 20 minutes of the movie completely. I like wiped it from my memory, I guess. It's fast. I, (laughs) I was like, I just saw this in December. How do I not remember this entire opening? But I think it ended up being sort of, I don't want to say middle of the road. I have a few things that I gave three stars to, and I think this is technically the better of the three that I gave three stars to, but it's not the most fun of the ones I gave three stars to. The Force Dyad. <laughs> oh, God. See, I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up. I love any kind of introduction to lore, and I think that's one of the things that you know, when we get to when we finally start talking about The Last Jedi, I think that's one of the things that really kind of burned me. I feel like there wasn't a whole lot added okay. to the story with The Last Jedi. And I felt like at the very least, The Rise of Skywalker added some things to the universe. And I think also, as my last point of defense, is that I really enjoy, I, I love the Palpatine arc. I think, you know, looking at the the Skywalker saga as more a story about Palpatine than about Skywalker makes it a lot more interesting. And I like the way that landed. I like the way that he was brought back. Um, I even like the way that they had pickled Snokes. (laughs) So much of that stuff landed for me, but I I totally, totally, totally understand that it doesn't for a lot of people because I know that I come into Star Wars looking for something different. Well, Jake, we know this is not going to be in your bottom four. So unless anyone else has something to say about The Rise of Skywalker, do you want to go ahead and give us your 11 through 8? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's do it. <laughs> At the bottom was Attack of the Clones. I don't think there's much of a surprise there. Across the board, it's in the bottom two of almost everybody on this call. Uh, just over that was Solo, then Revenge of the Sith, and then The Last Jedi. Interesting. And obviously for you, The Last Jedi is down there because, like you just said, it didn't introduce as much to the lore of Star Wars as the other movies do. So for you, was that one that you instantly didn't like as much because of that? Or did it take you a few times of watching it to really come to that conclusion? So of the of the newest three, um, well, of the newest five, really, The Last Jedi was the movie that I felt the weirdest about when I walked out of the theater for the first time. And it was the weirdest that I felt when walking out of the theater for the second time. And I didn't go back for a third watch. And that I think this this and Solo were the only ones that I didn't see in theaters at least three times. Rewatching it this week, because this is one of the, the two movies that I felt I really needed to give another shot before I, I 
officially solidified my my ranking. Uh, just so little happens. It just it doesn't really move the needle so much. It does progress some of the Ray and Kylo Ren storylines, but there is so much of the movie that just doesn't really need to happen. I still take huge issue with the whole casino side story. Okay. I, I I just feel like it's it's a huge waste of of plot and it does a total disservice to the two characters that are primary wrapped up in that. I don't know. I just, all of the problems that I had with the last Jedi remain in ways that the problems that I had with movies like rogue one, for example, didn't stick. Um, I'm okay with a lot of those things now. And in fact, some of them I, I like, I respect and I, I enjoy. Um, but I just, I have not come around to the last Jedi as much as I want to, because it has some of the most beautiful scenes in star Wars. And I'm sure I've said that on Bantha Fodder a couple of times, but it's one of the most, it's probably the most beautiful Star Wars movie ever made, but it's just not there story-wise. And I don't know. I don't know what to say about that because I love Ryan Johnson as a director and it, it hurts me to say that. And I do still wish that he would get his own trilogy. I hope that happens for him because I think if he was able to use his vision for an entire, you know, an entire story, that would work a lot better than what we got from him in this arc, which was just that middle piece. Mitchell has been internally screaming the entire time you were talking. So, Mitchell, I know you have something to say. What was it about The Last Jedi for you that made it top-tier Star Wars? I'll, I'll read about this point. Um, yeah, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, uh, it's doing something that I think uh, none of the other ones since maybe Empire have chosen to do, which is to really interrogate Star Wars and to really take a look at what it means and what it can be uh, as like a movie and as like an idea. It's the first one that really uh, challenges all of its characters in unique ways. Cause every I understand what you say when you say that this not much happens in the story, it's because every character basically goes on a mission that they then fail at, mm-hmm. which is tough and weird and makes you feel weird. Cause like that is not normal Star Wars. It's usually like, they go off and they have this big adventure and there are trials along the way, but they get through it. But in this one, like everyone in last Jedi, everyone goes on a a mission on which they fail. Like Ray fails to recruit Luke. Uh, Poe fails to listen to his superiors um, and sends, uh, sends Finn and Rose on that mission, which they fail to find the code breaker. And then you find out that Luke failed Kylo, which is why he turned to the dark side. And so it's like all these challenging things and these all these challenging like arcs and ideas in this movie that are different, very different, and, and a lot of times scary for for people to like have to deal with. Um, also, to just to touch on the Canto bite, the Casino Planet stuff, uh, I know that that is like a lot of people's main problem or not main problem, but one of their big problems with this movie. And I enjoy it. I think it is good. I think that it's interesting and fun to have like normally star Wars is set in like these dungy, these like gross, like underworld slimy bars and stuff. And to see one that's like a high class one, I thought it was really interesting. I also thought that it was like touching on the themes of like capitalism and like, the actual world that these war, these star Wars are fought over, which is something I don't think that you see a ton of because so much of the main movies and plot are wrapped up in like a small number of characters relative to a fucking 11 movie, like <laughs> galactic 
space opera, pretty much all of them, especially having come around to uh, Rise of Skywalker, it is a very small circle of people that apparently determine the fate of this chunk of the galaxy. So I think whenever they get outside of that, it's interesting. So I like stuff like the Canobite scene. I like uh, that kind of stuff that's in Rogue One. I like that stuff that's in The Mandalorian. I think all of that is very interesting and important to the entire world. I don't know. This movie made me love Star Wars in a way that I didn't think I had in me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it just does so much and we can talk about it more later, but it is absolutely one of my, uh, one of my favorite like movies of this scale. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. And, I have um, a question. Yeah. Um, What's up? Because I, I agree with everything you're saying. So I, uh, like in terms of enjoying that movie, mm-hmm. when you left the theater, because Jacob walked out of that theater really confused um, about a lot of things in his life. And when you mm-hmm. walked out of that theater, <laughs> were you, because, and this is a feeling that I had, I can, I'll speak personally, I guess it's probably easier. But when I walked out of the theater, I enjoyed the movie. I recognized that. I was a little confused about Canto by, but I, you know, I grappled with it and was like, and I came to a lot of the same conclusions that you did. Um, but when I left the theater, I was like, not feeling that excited for whatever was going to come next. I felt like there wasn't a cliffhanger. I mean, yes, the the the, the New Republic or uh, the the Resistance has, had been decimated and and mm-hmm. whatnot. But I was not like aching to see what happened next in the Star Wars. There was no cliffhanger for me. And so, I mean, as much as I love The Last Jedi, that that's one of the reasons why I would not have put it up super high on my list um, was for that reason. I think that's fair, but I feel, I don't know, because it ends, so it ends, the part of the movie is about like myth-making and mm-hmm. it's about like how these images are like important and how they affect the next generation of people. So it ends on the, the kids the kids uh, talking about Luke Skywalker um, facing down all the, the First Order and stuff. And sure. then you see the kid with the broom and it ends on that, which is very not Star Wars-y to end on, like, not the characters. Um, and I think it kind of leaves it open in a way that you're not used to seeing from these movies. And I think that is why a lot of people were, like confused or like didn't know how to feel is because it leaves the door open so widely it almost feels like the end of a trilogy in that way Mm. because it doesn't have a ton of stuff that is directly set up into the next movie so yeah i do understand that but for me that is fine slash a plus i think we can probably all agree that this might be one of the more polarizing absolutely films with the fans because it seems like a lot of people love it and then a lot of people don't like it quite as much and it seems like not as many people are in the middle of the road with it and for me i watched it again when i was watching through all 11 movies obviously and (laughs) i just loved how it looked the world building that it did even though like jacob said not a lot happens this is definitely more of a story that is driven by advancing a couple characters versus advancing the plot of Star Wars as a whole, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, a lot of porgs. I I see, uh, like, movies during that time period with the same two of my best friends. Like, we always go see the movies. And when we saw The Last Jedi and we all walked out, we we all had three different, like, statements on it. One one friend was very confused. He was like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> I was more on the middle, like, as in, like, my rankings. Like, it, it's in the middle of the pack for me. 
And then my other friend loved it. My other friend loved it because it took so many chances. And he's like, this is not a typical Star Wars movie that I would watch. I agree with Jacob that there are some slow threads in it, like the Cantaba thing. And then some in Act 2 around with Rey, kind of her, like, with the symbolism of showing that she's, like, she could possibly be going to the dark side. Maybe that lagged a little bit. And I know, like, my friend did not like the Luke Skywalker arc, where he just kind of... I guess dies at the end. He's like, really? Like you killed, how are you going to kill off Luke Skywalker? <laughs> and I think for me with that movie, like I'm also happy that they kind of took chances too. Like, it, like that Ryan Johnson didn't play it safe on a lot of things, even though there's some plot threads there. I was like, I'm not really sure where you're taking me, but <laughs> like, yeah. I think on that note, I would say that, I look at this movie not necessarily in terms of its place in this trilogy, but in its place in the saga because it is a saga film, and right. it is so. It's an outlier in that context more more yeah. than anything else. And while I, I like, I totally appreciate Ryan Johnson taking all those chances, and definitely like all the things you said, Mitchell, about the world building and like talking about characters in a more you know nuanced way. I feel like his approach to a Star Wars movie is better suited in. A different a different setting like you know maybe with different characters i'm not saying that any of that is bad because i, I can appreciate all the things that you like about that but i think within the context of the story especially in the saga it's just such an outlier and then jj coming back and sort of retconning a lot of those things and and sort of sort of trying to make it more cohesive by tying it to his first movie more yeah it, it paints it in a more negative light. And I'm, I'm aware of that. I can recognize that. Yeah. You're no, you're right. Because it, when you look at it as a whole, it's like, what the fuck was going on here? It's like, it doesn't, <laughs> if you do look at it as a whole, this one definitely sticks out because it is, especially right after force awakens. Cause force awakens is so much about like reliving the glory and like, you know, how just like star Wars can be the same again. And it's good. And we like that. And it's a fine movie and I like it. Um, but, but then I feel like you have, so you have Force Awakens and you have Last Jedi, which is such a, re- a rejection of that, but it's using the same characters and that is rocky for the, that's a hard, that's a hard sell for a lot of people and a lot of fans, especially of this big franchise that means so much to a lot of people. It's hard to have a, somebody come in and say, we're going to do things completely differently here and we're going to change this and we're going to change this and what if we change this? And I think that was, in the initial backlash of that movie, that was what set people off so hard, was all those new ideas at once after a movie that was, like, basically pure comfort food. To have that, you know, happen was very challenging. Yeah, and not just The Force Awakens, right? Because in between those two, we got Rogue One, which was also a huge nostalgic that movie. too. Um, sure. It really hit the tones of, of that OG trilogy so much. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was just a very... Um, it just kind of threw people off balance and I'm just one of them. And unfortunately like on rewatch just still doesn't quite land for me, but I agree with all the points you made. Cool. I think that's totally fine. Mike, do you have anything else you want to say before we hit your 11 through eight? Um, I was just wondering if Jacob could go through his 11 through eight again, just so I could have a fresh in my mind. Attack of the clones, solo revenge of the Sith last Jedi. We, we really skipped on Solo there, uh, but that's understandable. I'm sure it's going to come up <laughs> what later. What is there to say about Solo? <laughs> that's right. That's the truth. I mean, I was going to say the same thing uh, in mine, but not for, probably not for the movie. same reasons. Release the Lord Miller cut? <laughs> yeah. 
I'd watch it. Release the third of the movie that they had filmed, and it will be better <laughs> than the full one that we got. Listen, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I want to see the Ace Ventura Star Wars movie. All right. <laughs> it would have been so. Good. It would have been so fun. It yeah. would like it would have been at least even if it was bad, it would have been like better than what we got. Think about the goofiest parts of the Mandalorian, and like that's what I would see in like like Bill Burr in space. Like that's what I would have seen in a good in like a Lord and Miller solo. Dude, Donald Glover with Lord and Miller, like, I can't even imagine how much that would work. <laughs> yeah. Again, right? Because they've worked together before. Uh, have they? I believe. Didn't they? Or, or I guess that was the Russo brothers. I'm thinking Russo, Russo brothers. Russo brothers are community. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. But same, same energy. Uh. <laughs> Mike, are you going to read yours? All right, so it's my turn? Yes. Okay, my, my 11 through 8, uh, I'm going to, clocking in at number 11, it's going to be Star Wars... Episode four, A New Hope. Uh, number 10, I'm going to say okay. Solo. Okay. Number nine. No, let me finish. Let me finish. Number <laughs> number nine, The Force Awakens. Number eight, Return of the Jedi. Those are my, my bottom four. And I should probably say this now. Yes, do say it now. I did not rank them in, in what I liked about them. I ranked them in terms of coolest planets and how they were used. Because okay. you know what? The prequel trilogy deserves some love, and some of those other movies are overrated. And we need we need to get some of those movies in in a in a different in a higher ranking here. Let's go. I respect it. I respect okay. it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with you referring to Star Wars as a New Hope. What? Really? <laughs> That's the bone you're gonna pick with me right now? Yeah. Right, you were we'll the only another... person on this call that did that. Okay, whatever. Anyway. You also ranked it. That's like adding, adding injury to insult. <laughs> sure. It and yeah. It's my, it, well, here's what I'm going to say. All right. I'll start it off with A New Hope. We got we got Tatooine. That's a <laughs> desert planet. What are they? Okay, cool. It's a planet made of sand. Who cares? We see it 7,000 times in the trilogy. And clearly, I would only watch the movies in episodic order. So I'm not going to even gonna talk about release order. Um, so it's just a planet <laughs> we've seen a whole bunch of times already in the first three movies because that's the right order to watch it in, right? And the second moot planet, Alderaan, we don't even see it. It just gets blown up, okay? Third planet, not even a planet. It's the Death Star, okay? It's been most of the There's time. There's a third planet. Yeah. No, it's, it's not even a moon, all right? And then... <laughs> Yavin might as well uh, have just been the forest moon of Endor slash Endor, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's just... Oh, you're jumping ahead here. All right. Yavin 4. I'll, let me get that right before we get the tweets coming at Deanna. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's why A New Hope ranks lowest for me. We got four really boring planets um, and one of them not even a planet. Okay. Let's move on to Solo. I can't remember a single name of a planet in that movie except Kessel, which we saw for maybe 10 minutes. I don't really know. Um, and Corellia, Corellia looks a little bit like the seaside in New Jersey. So, you know, <laughs> it's sort that's of why it, like New Jersey throughout the entire movie, isn't exactly. it? It really is. For sure. And so, that you know what? That's why Solo is at number 10 for me. We got Force Awakens coming up next. Force Awakens, uh, Jeddah, Tatooine ripoff. Big yawn from me. Oh. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's I just, agree. it's just I Tatooine with the saturation stops. turned up. Um, we got Maz Kanata's planet. Jacob, what was that called? I can't remember. <laughs> okay, see, that like the you proved my point here. It's a jungle. We've seen like it before, okay? A Wait, lake. did you mean Jakku, not Jeddah? Uh, oh, shoot. You know what? I did. Uh, let's roll it <laughs> yeah, back. Uh, <laughs> Start <sorry>. over. <laughs> Jakku. <laughs> Tatooine ripoff. Just, all right, Danny, you just gotta do that little edit in there. Just say, ja I'll give you, a, let me give you a real clear Jakku right now. Ready? Jakku. <laughs> That'll fit anywhere, I okay. promise. 
<laughs> Jakku does have a Crash Star Destroyer on it, though, so maybe better than Tatooine? I'm sure at some point on that giant planet of Tatooine is a Crash Star Destroyer. Some That's Someone true. took it for a joyride. Tatooine also has it pod racing, which is pretty cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then uh, last on The Force Awakens was Starkiller Base. I don't really know. It's it's a it's a planet. It's it got Harrison Ford ready to do Call of the Wild. I'll guess we'll say that you know, <laughs> it's just that's what it is. Um, number eight, Return of the Jedi. You know, uh, again, Tatooine, fine. Dagobah, another yawn for me, but I like it because it's got slimy creatures on it, and you know, it's it's kind of cool. Yoda's just chilling there. It's just a really uh, you know quiet place. Um, and then uh, Endor again, you know, it's, Sarlacc pit. Sarlacc pit, yeah, it's Tatooine. You know, it's, we get a little bit more of it. That's why it's a little higher up. We use Tatooine a little bit better on this in this version. <laughs> um, but then again, we've already seen it, you know, a better few times in, in the movies that came before it. Um, so then, at Forest Moon of Endor slash Endor, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I prefer that. That is my preferred uh, jungle planet. Uh, so Ooh, I would say. Um, that's it. And plus, you know, we'll get to see Endor again later, right? In in uh, Rise of Skywalker. So yes. All right. We can get a second of Endor. We get to see two Ewoks. All right. So that's that's my bottom bracket. <laughs> I think his is the best one, actually. <laughs> I just want to let everyone know that I did tell Mike he could use whatever criteria he wanted to rank the movies, and I had no that idea was, this was coming. Just that so we're clear. Amazing. I'm angry that mine isn't a bit now. <laughs> I will I will say I like this ranking a lot better than the one that you floated to me the other day, which involved characters' hair. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's only so many times we can put Toilix on there and Donald Glover's hair, so I don't know. Lacoos are so not hair. I just want to make that totally clear. Tell that to the Twi'leks, buddy, all right? Go find a Twi'lek and tell them that's not their hair. It's not their hair. They'll tell you first. Show me a Twi'lek with hair. That's their equivalent. God. Oh, boy. Mitchell, how about yours? <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. Uh, I, I feel embarrassed. I wish I could. Don't worry. I'm going to do it three more ti- two more times. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad. Okay. My, my bottom is at least different from anyone. I have, fought, I have Phantom Menace at bottom. Then I have uh, Attack of the Clones. Then Rise of Skywalker. Then Solo. It's very similar to pretty much some of the other ones that we saw. I, I put uh, Phantom Menace bottom. I think it and Attack of the Clones really are both really bad. Uh, and it's kind of just whatever cheeses you off worse. Like, I think both of their plots are pretty incomprehensible. Uh, neither of them really make a ton of sense. Phantom Menace, I feel like, is worse. Is a worse culprit of the plot not making any sense. But uh, the thing that made me rank it bottom truly was... Uh, the fact that there is a what I interpreted on this particular rewatch to be a racist character on screen pretty much the entire movie. We're talking Watto? I'm talking Watto, I'm talking <laughs> Jar Jar, I'm talking the Trade Federation guys, I'm talking, in all honesty, probably Darth Maul, just based on George Lucas's approximations of all these other characters, I'm guessing that Darth Maul is his stand-in for something, but I don't even know what it is. Um, and I just was really, really like, holy crap, this movie is going hard with the racism. I know it's supposed to be a movie that's directed at kids, and a lot of the characters are very big and goofy, 
but I, I just, it just, it was really, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. This a lot is of talk just, about uh, blockades and trade agreements for a kid's movie. So much. And yet the plot <laughs> is like a kid's movie because none of it makes any fucking sense. I don't know. It, it is just a whole load of nonsense, that movie. Yeah, it, it is weird because I... I like the Phantom Menace for the same reasons, a lot of the same reasons that you like the Rise of Skywalker, in that it you know it, it touches on class in a lot of ways that are interesting. You mean Last Jedi? No, you were talking about the Rise of Skywalker, kind of talking more about the the universe and the people in it, and you know how the universe sort of uh, oh okay interacts sure. with them. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess even though the Phantom Menace does talk about class and a lot of you know a lot of real issues, um, it's also the least woke for sure. Yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. A lot of the stuff in that movie. Also, like, I don't know, you don't get any bearing on what the stakes of that movie are. There's so there's a bunch of like, they keep talking about how on Naboo, this like droid war is happening, and you never see it at all until the very end. There's talk of like, so many people getting killed on Naboo, and you don't hear about it. I don't know. Just, just, none of the it's hard to follow. There's not really a protagonist. The the kid doesn't know what's going on for most of the movies. So it doesn't, I don't know, just so much of it didn't work for me. And I was just like, Holy shit. (laughs) And even like people are like, Oh, but the fight at the end is so cool. Like the, the, the duel of fates or whatever, the, the triple lightsaber fight is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but it's intercut with like four other different, fight scenes happening at the same time so it's kind of hard to really like focus on it because you because the same time as that fight is happening anakin's flying around in the yellow spaceship the gungans are fighting the droids the padme is uh sneaking around the castle like so much is happening (laughs) through that whole movie that it's just like i don't know what the fuck what am i supposed to care about here it's just a fucking mess i don't know i i had a really tough time with it uh on this rewatch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i think that's fair i i don't know i i have a really soft spot for that movie and i think it's just because that was such a a fun time in my own star wars fandom i i was exactly the right age for that movie when it came out i agree i was too i i saw it in a theater in 1998 nine whenever it came out i was yeah. like six years old and so like i know i was i still like star wars to this day because <laughs> of seeing that movie yeah, because I was a child, and it's a movie made somehow for children. Does any of you remember uh, them <laughs> pre- premiering the Duel of the Fates video on MTV on like TRL? Oh yeah, I don't. I did not. Yeah, like they like did like a whole like premiere of like That's here's wild. Duel of the Fates, and like they showed <laughs> uh, like the, a behind the scenes, basically like a behind the scenes video of that, and like the John Williams score playing it was weird it was like huh. you know britney spears and nsync and john williams did john what? williams go on trl like was he there no no it was just like <laughs> it, it was like them trying to like premiere the video to like get amped up for the movie but it was oh, really man, weird like so yeah corn and limp biscuit <laughs> and then like john williams swore i'm confused <laughs> oh, what yeah. were all of these other people doing on the special <laughs> who knows they were just they were just there to be stoked <laughs> No, it was it was like a regular. It was a regular episode, episode with, yeah. with kids in the crowd, and they they're like, "Here's here's Duel of the Fates," and it's just a <laughs> behind the scenes video of like Lucas talking about 
you know, like doing this movie and then like them practicing <laughs> like the big fight at the end while John went like intercut with John Williams doing like the orchestral score. And I'm like, oh, wow, this what? <laughs> like Unreal. Must find that. I must find that. That's so funny. I mean, as someone, I used to spin the Duel of the Fates song on my radio, my local radio station um, when I had like a show for one summer. And when I was a kid, like I was like part of a summer camp that had like a, a radio station program. And I, I would always make sure to play Duel of the Fates. So I totally get trying to make that a part of like the pop mainstream. <laughs> it's like the best song from Star Wars, I would say. No one Absolutely. else knows what any of the other songs are really called except for like the Imperial March, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it sounds like I was the last person in this group to get into Star Wars because I never saw any of the movies in theaters, to my knowledge, until The Force Awakens. Oh, man, I feel now I feel old. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> now, like, now I feel because I was I went to like see uh, like Revenge of the Sith at a midnight show. Oh, my gosh. Where people yeah, were like hey. dressed up. And like, like in full, like Queen Amidala Regala going through this movie. What about uh, the special editions? Are you saying other people to distract from the fact that you were also dressed up? Yeah. <laughs> I actually wish I did because I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb because like a good half of the theater was like uh, dressed up. But it was actually it was pretty cool because you don't see that anymore. But yeah, I, I saw like Revenge of the Sith like in, in movie in midnight. Yeah. I probably wore a Jedi braid. <laughs> Sounds like not to a midnight yeah. showing, but I probably wore a Jedi braid to the theater. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I was definitely late to Star Wars, which that's okay. You know, it was just one of those things where my parents and I didn't really go to the movie theaters when I was a kid. That wasn't like what we did. Instead, they bought a bunch of DVDs. So I, we had the first six movies on DVD at some point, and I had watched them. I don't remember when that was, but I didn't start like actively going to the movies for Star Wars until they did the whole Disney Lucasfilm relaunch thing. And like most of you, I have Attack of the Clones, 11, The Phantom Menace, 10, Solo, 9, and Revenge of the Sith at 8. I feel like my 7 through 9 could have flipped anyway because those were yeah. the three that I rated three stars. And I felt like Revenge of the Sith had a better story, a more important story, I should say, than Solo did by far. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Solo's going to kind of be the bottom of the three-star ratings, even though I think it works as like a heist movie, but not necessarily a Star Wars movie, if that makes sense. It's yeah. an okay heist movie. Yeah. I've, I've, th I've thought about it in terms of heist movies. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's it has some fun parts and characters, but I don't know. It just does. I don't think it works as a, as a Han Solo movie. Yeah, I mean there are moments, especially in the very beginning of it, where I can buy Aaron Reich as Solo, but there are so many moments where I just can't. And I mean, he really he really gets close. I mean, as far as as casting goes, I don't know if they could have done any better, but it just uh, you know, Harrison Ford just just really did something that's hard to replicate. Yeah. It's just so Harrison Ford that it's just, I don't yeah. know who could capture that. Yeah. Tough sell. But it is interesting to see Solo so, so low on all of our lists. For me, it's the Star Wars movie that doesn't, that feels like if you're going to skip one of any of them in terms of 
like importance to the story or like yeah. just worthwhileness as a movie it feels like the first star wars movie that i was like this feels inessential this feels mm-hmm. like this didn't need to be made and i think a lot of that ties to the fact that it they switched directors halfway through filming it which is <laughs> yeah. not a thing that happens very much although it did also kind of happen with Rogue one um yeah and i, I do wonder how much the decision to kill off Han Solo in The Force Awakens played into making the prequel cuz you know they've been tossing around ideas for these interstitial movies for a long time and it was it was just strange that this one came so soon like maybe it was just the easy way to go and they just wanted to try it out um but Rogue One at least was kind of its own thing it did yeah. fill in some gaps but Solo filled in gaps that didn't need to be filled like we don't really we don't need you to retcon why it is that he has the record for the Kessel Run, you know? Like, uh, excuse me? You didn't want to know how he gets his lucky dice? <laughs> yeah, Han that's the other thing. Dice? In The Last Jedi, I had no idea what those things even were when, when they took him out. That's I did so not bad. recognize them, and I was like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, they really played up the dice in all these new movies. It's like, yeah, okay, if, if you've seen the first Star Wars movies enough times, you've noticed them, but it's not that big of a deal. And I'm surprised, yeah. honestly, that they didn't sell more dice merchandise because it really feels like that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> My biggest beef with Solo was that, you know, I mean, if you look at it chronologically or whatever, it just makes... Okay, so we, we learned from Solo that Han Solo has a heart of gold and he's just like, he he's he'll always do the right thing. And then, you know, look to Star Wars. I'll call it Star Wars for you all. Um, and the, the, the comeback he makes at the end to save Luke on the Death Star, like, um, or like when he's doing the Death Star trench run, like it just, well, of course he was going to come back and save Luke after disappearing because Han Solo already does the right thing. So like, if you're watching Star Wars and you, you get that glimpse of Han Solo first or whatever, uh, from Solo, then it's just, it makes him a less interesting character in, in episode four. Yeah. He has like the same arc. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it's just a like, guy who who you know really wants to be selfish, but he just can't bring himself to be selfish. But if you know that he can't bring himself to be selfish, the whole movie you're just like, oh, well, yeah, of course he's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is there's a lot of problems with that movie, and I think that is probably the maybe the biggest one. Mm-hmm. My least favorite part of Solo is that the most exciting part of it came at the very end when Darth Maul appeared on the holiday. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And oh, the fact man. that they're probably going to do nothing with that. Yeah, I think I yelled in the theater when that happened. And I was like, you know, it was a very empty theater because we saw it late. <laughs> yeah, they said, oh, well, look at that opening. Uh, look at that total gross. Uh, well, sorry, we're not going to pick it up here. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I would probably watch either another movie or, a, you know, maybe like a Disney Plus series on Kira, like a limited series sort of thing on, you know, what what what's she doing with Maul? Because this happens in a very interesting part of Maul's arc and Maul's arc is probably my favorite in all of Star Wars. So to get that tease and to know that we're probably just not going to get anything more from that is yeah, no just way. a huge, huge, huge letdown. I mean, you know I would watch that show as well, so I'm kind of bummed it's not going to happen now. He's in the show, right? The Clone Wars show? Yeah, yeah. Clone Wars, Rebels. Rebels. Oh, yeah. He's in both of the, the cartoons. That makes sense. Yeah, I had no idea what the fuck that was. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? Why? He's yeah. alive? What a <laughs> pull. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend watching, even if you just watch the, the episodes of the, the animated shows with Maul, you'll get a very deep appreciation for his story. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Sorry. 
Well, guys, I think that wraps up round one, so we can make our way into round two here. Merjani, you're seven through four. I am up again. All right, uh, seven through four. This was tough. This was really tough because I feel like my six and seven could have been interchangeable. Uh, seven is Force Awakens, six, The Last Jedi, five, Revenge of the Sith, four, Return of the Jedi. I will say your Revenge of the Sith ranking being top five does not surprise me, given how much I know you love Darth Vader. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So with The Force Awakens, right, like when I went to go see it, I think we were so happy just to see it. It was like Star Wars is back. And for like the most of the movie, like I felt like like when I felt like Star Wars A New Hope. Like, it was just like, oh, man, like, we're on this new adventure again. There's some people that I know, like Han Solo and then, like, Luke at the end. But, like, we got these new characters, like Finn, Poe, and Ray. Like, it was pretty dope. The reason why I feel that 7 and 6 are interchangeable for me, because, like, I talked about The Last Jedi, like, I admire it because it took chances. Even though some of them did not land as clearly as I thought. Uh, like, I, I, it's a gorgeous movie. Uh, I like the kind of through line between Kylo and Luke and Luke trying to redeem himself. I think one of my favorite Star Wars scenes ever happens in Last Jedi when Luke and Yoda are talking and the uh, the Jedi Temple's burning down. And how he's like, well, you have to teach her, like teach her your successes, but also teach her your failure. And like, I just found like that's that was just such a powerful scene. And then... At the very end where I guess like the broom, they call him broom boy, but when broom boy and it shows that he has a little bit of the force and he kind of looks up to the stars, I'm like, okay, that's nodding off that like the lineage that anybody can kind of come out of the force lineage, which I really liked. Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> like Deanna hinted, I thought it was the best out of the three movies in the beginning trilogy. I really liked, like I've written about it. I really liked how it really goes into how conflicted Anakin is, even though he does some terrible shit in that movie, like kill younglings and go and then like kill off the trade Federation. And like, you could tell that through his emotions, he gets manipulated by Palpatine. And I thought that was so well done. Like if, if you don't like congratulate Lucas for doing things for the Phantom Menace and kind of what a mess the attack of the clones were. I, I applaud him for what doing basically what he did in Revenge of the Sith. Return of the Jedi, I kind of it just kind of goes, you know, without stated. Uh, Darth Vader or Anakin redeems himself. You know, like I love I love that movie. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about the Re- Revenge of the Sith. I think it was it's a pretty solid movie. I, I would say like it's definitely it's. It's middle of the back for me that that's stated in my rankings here, but um, it was so drastically better <laughs> than yeah. the one before it. And, and, and I wonder how much of my love for that movie is because of that reason alone or because of the actual story it told. And I think, you know, the whole point of the prequels was to set up Darth Vader. And I think that Revenge of the Sith did the most to reach that end. So I think that's why it sticks. And the emotional resonance between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme and, um, you know, Padme's strange 
death aside, I think a lot of that works and it, it makes, it makes sense in ways that, you know, some of the decisions that he's making in the second one maybe don't. And then for me, I, you know, I just really like the whole Palpatine thing. So that movie sort of kicks that whole exciting part off. I also, I liked it a lot more than I was expecting to on this rewatch. I haven't rewatched the prequels since I was an adult. And I think, yeah, I think Revenge of, it's, it's funny. I feel like the first two are supposed to be setting up uh, Darth Vader, but they really don't do that much or do a very good job of it. <laughs> like, they're pretty unnecessary. I feel like George Lucas only wanted, only needed to make Revenge of the Sith and was like, okay, but maybe I'll make two other movies so it's a trilogy because that's what people want. But really, all the important stuff is in Revenge of the Sith. All of the stuff that matters. Like, yeah. you don't need to know the, the fucking whatever the plot of Phantom Menace is. It's not important. You could just, you could have a flashback scene of when Anakin gets rescued from Tatooine. Boom. That's all we need for that movie. We're doing pod, pod racing. You could see him fall. You could have another flashback of him falling in love with Padme. Boom. That's all we need from Attack of the Clones. Like, <laughs> I just feel like, uh, yeah. And I feel like Revenge of the Sith has like, a very different tone from the other two. It's like over the top, like almost campy tragic. It's like they're playing up like how conflicted he is, like how the Jedi are like this giant thing that was, that had to fall. And they were, it's like, they're almost their own fault for getting, for like not realizing that they let this thing happen. And I feel like actually, I mean, Hayden Christensen's still a big problem. He's not as bad in Revenge of the Sith as he is in Attack of the Clones or yeah. But I feel like, Pretty much everything in it kind of worked for me on this rewatch, aside from some of the CGI action isn't quite there. Mm. It's some of it's kind of like mushy, like not like just muddy CGI of the time. It still looks better than the other two. But and then the the lightsaber fight at the end is like ridiculous and over the top. But I feel like that's kind of the thing the whole movie goes for. And I feel like once you realize that, oh, yeah, this is ridiculous. They're like the first Star Wars movie. They literally like tap the lightsabers like twice. And that's a fight. And in this one, they're like swinging from giant chains over huge lava flows while explode while this factory is exploding. And it's like, OK, this is clearly different. Like. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well I, I think that they're i don't know i i'm a pretty staunch prequel defender despite the fact that all three of those movies are below the fold on my list i think <laughs> that there's a lot of really good stuff in there and maybe i'm just a sucker for that sort of lore but apart from vader i think a really important part of the entire saga is the story of the jedi you know as a whole as an organization and while maybe some of the politics bores a lot of people, I think the setup in even starting in The Phantom Menace is really important. You see that Qui-Gon is sort of different from the rest, and you see that, that Qui-Gon's interpretation of, of how things should go sort of plays its way out throughout the rest of the saga, um, which makes him a much more important character than I think a lot of people give him credit for. So it's it's impossible, yeah. I think, to rank the the prequels higher up unless you're making a list like mike's be nice to my list please <laughs> but they, there is good stuff t with them it's just there's also a lot of bad i do agree that if there is a through line of the prequels it is that like the jet how the jedi fell is basically it's more telling you that than really anything else yeah 
the first two are so what whatever that that is one of the few things that you can say okay well the jedi did this in the in phantom s they did this in the third one area they did this in the second one and that's why it leads to their fall and i do think that that is good it's just I, it's not it's not done very well it's important yeah. but it's just not done well there are missed marks <laughs> and i you know i wonder what could be done to to improve them or if they were necessary at all but you know, I, rewatching them in the past few years, and I took a huge gap where I probably hadn't seen the prequels in, you know, like five or six years. And then within the past two years, I think I've watched them all um, both years. So I, I've seen them multiple times uh, during the Trump presidency. And <laughs> maybe that that has some sort of bearing on my enjoyment of them. But yeah, I, every time I watch them, I take a little bit more from it. And I still think that the Phantom Menace is really fun, which... Uh, I guess I can kind of use to segue into to my round two. Real quick, before you do that, Jake, I yeah. have a question for you. Is there a fan edit that exists that condenses <laughs> the three prequel movies into one? There are several. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested <laughs> yeah. to see one of those. Those, those exist. Um, I've not watched them. Might be an interesting episode of Bantha Fodder someday. But yeah, I, I don't know. I Even though there is a lot of craft you can cut from them, I enjoy watching through. I, I think it's important to to watch the bad to set the bar because mm -hmm. otherwise the other ones it's like <laughs> you know <laughs> you need something to set a metric the best part of um the phantom edit is is really just that they start the phantom menace from the last third of the movie like the lightsaber duel and everything <laughs> it's just like a way better place to start the movie sure. from if you're going to have to incorporate it from somewhere so like the 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 fan edits really do a big service it's also like i mean i i can't remember the 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 person's name, but there's a person on YouTube who's done three treatments for the each prequel or one treatment for each prequel uh, movie um, that totally has nothing to do with what George Lucas did, but he just comes up with a better story. I'll, I'll <laughs> send it around after we're done recording and maybe it'll be, end up in the show notes, but it's a really, really great like three video series on YouTube where there's some illustrations. It's mostly him talking and, and it really gives you an idea of what the prequels could have been if anybody's interested in hearing that. And it's, it doesn't really serve any purpose, but just, you know, stretch your imagination and see what, you know, kind of like with the Trevorrow script where it's kind of like, it was, it's not a movie. So you really don't know how it would have turned out, but like on paper, it looks pretty good. Yeah. It's just fun to go over some of those things, but Jake, go ahead with your seven through four. Yeah. Okay. So my last thing on the prequels before I, I get off those, <laughs> if I were making a, a list more like Mike's, I would probably make one for ships. And I think the prequels would all top my list because I absolutely love anything Nabooian and I like mm. all of the Jedi fighters. I just think that a lot of the ships in the prequels were just incredible. Um, really great design. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say on that. I can sure. agree with that. Yeah. They're, they're markedly different from the, from the, they're very different from the, very yeah i mean some of the republic ships sort of you can see the the transition from those to to those that the you know the rebels were using after of course like they're leftovers in a lot of cases but um yeah the evolution in that is a little more gradual whereas the you know the naboo stuff doesn't really come around again until you watch the mandalorian <laughs> so a little unfortunate but i would like to see some more shiny ships um yeah, so following The Phantom Menace on my list, I have uh, Return of the Jedi at number six. You know, original trilogy is where my heart is, but I, I think it is the, the weakest of the three. Um, it's fun to watch, but it's it doesn't it doesn't strike the mood in the same way that mm -hmm. the, the first two did. And I really made my list based on, um, you know, my enjoyment and what I'm most likely to put on if I want to watch a Star Wars movie. So uh, it's, you know, it's it's low, it's 
below the halfway mark um but it, it's still a great movie and then uh above that is the the rise of skywalker you know i i said before i love this movie um every time i saw it in theaters i liked it even more than the time before i just think that there's a lot to appreciate about it every um, time <laughs> <laughs> every every time multiple times um exegol is absolutely one of my all-time favorite locations in star wars i think it's just inspired design and it legitimately scares me uh we talked about this on bantha fodder but one of my my long-standing recurring nightmares that i have when i get sick is that i'm crushed to death and exegol is the only film representation of something even remotely similar to that fear that i've ever seen so it, I don't know, it just, it really affected me in a, in a strange way. And that's weird to say about uh, a planet that we don't see very much of. Um, but I thought it was really cool. So a lot to love about that movie. And then uh, filling in number four is Rogue One, which is just such a solid standalone movie. Um, it was one of those movies that I had some gripes with when I first saw it. But watching it again, it, none of it bothered me. I just thought it was very enjoyable. K2SO is incredible. Um, Jetta is really cool. Like they, they were able to take a very concise story, um, but still bring in enough elements of lore to pique my interest, whether it be Jetta and, you know, the guardians of the wills, uh, those things exist. And it has all the elements and trappings of a heist movie and, uh, a war flick that really make it something interesting. So I think it's a very consistent Star Wars movie. And it definitely fits in with the original trilogy more, of course, you know, in terms of timeline, but also in tone. So that's, uh, yeah, it, it just it just barely didn't make it in my top three, I would say. Yeah, I think Rogue One was one that aged better for most people upon a second or third watch. And it really just nailed the tone of what this space war felt like towards the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Or just like the co- like, you don't see a lot of. I feel like Rogue One and Last Jedi do a good job of this. Like you don't see a lot of or feel the loss or the tolls of the war that we're continually fighting. Um, and I feel like when the movies, since there is obviously like a vacuum there, like in in Episode One, you const- you are constantly told, "Oh, they're killing all these Naboo people," and you never see anything. <laughs> um, which is bad. Um, so, yeah. like, when these movies, like, try to give you extra stuff from, like, the world or, like, try to, like, expand or, like, make the emotional toll heavier, I think that's always a good instinct. And I, I'm glad that people have recognized that that is a problem and have tried to rectify it with these new movies. I liked Rogue One. I still, I don't, I can't, I, I have trouble loving it as much as a lot of people do. I think it really... It's, I think it's really functional. I think it does a lot, so many things right and gets me really excited. But then, I don't know, I had a lot of problems with the characters in that movie. I had trouble, like, really, I felt like they were all, like, kind of missing something. I feel like they were all kind of, like, I, something was keeping me at arm's length. And maybe it's because they were like, well, we don't want you to love these guys too much because they are all going to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So maybe that was like a Disney choice. I don't know, but I really don't like Felicity Jones as the lead in that movie. Uh, I don't feel like I get to know a lot of the people well enough to really care about them. And that makes it makes it hard for me because the other movies you are stuck with characters for like three movies at a time. So you kind of get to really develop a relationship with them. 
But in this one, you really do not get that. And I don't know, it just was tougher for me in that way. I do like so much of it. I love the the worlds. I love the space fight. It's incredible. I like the structure of it. I think if Star Wars movies have a way forward after all these uh, these these three trilogies, I think it is movies that are more like Rogue One and more like The Mandalorian. I think that kind of stuff is where they should sort of try to refocus themselves. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I it, something about it. Just I don't quite love it, but yeah. I like it a lot. I, I think so, you're right about the characters. I think a lot of them are missing something. I think Riz Ahmed is an amazing actor. Um, I think his character is actually probably one of the more fleshed out ones of the whole batch, but even still, yeah. um, there's just something yeah, missing. He doesn't even get that much to do. Yeah. Yeah. Felicity Jones is really miscast in that movie, I think. And I don't mean to like harp on a, a, a Star Wars movie trying to have a female lead, but I just feel like she is, I don't understand what her deal is. And I'm told that like that. Mo- <laughs> so that movie was like retooled and reshot and like basically have like, two different directors by the time and like rewritten like several times. So I think that's probably has more to do with it than like her acting. If you saw, if, if anybody remembers the first trailer, it was a lot darker. Way different. When Felicity Jones says like her, like opening line, like I rebel, it was different. Yeah. yeah. And then like yeah. the show at the end where she's like in some, it looks like some like stormtrooper. um, the death trooper. Yeah. Like he says, yeah. like, what yeah. will you become? And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. this is going to be really dark. And then they yeah. completely changed it. That was a killer trailer. Yeah. It, that, it said because, like, Gareth Edwards, they said they worried that it was too dark. And then they did, like, a second unit director. But it was funny because they added the Darth Vader scene at the end. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I kind it of wish fun. that they would have done solo first and then this one second, because I feel like they would have been more comfortable taking chances on the second one than the first. If they if that's true and they pulled it back and they you know they scaled back the darkness and the grit because this was the first of its kind, the first, you know, ice Star Wars story. Yeah. I wish they would have waited later. Because you know, watching The Mandalorian now, you know, it's it's maybe a little more family friendly, but they're, they don't really pull a ton of punches. So, I don't know. It's an interesting thought, but I, I would have to disagree on Felicity Jones. I, I don't have much to say on that other than that I love her as an actress, and I thought that she was great in the movie. Okay. I don't think she had much to work with. So, I, I I know I'm in a small camp because other people have problems with her and other things that she's in, so <laughs> I don't think it's exclusive to this movie. Yeah, I don't know how much of it is actually her fault necessarily, because it sounds like there were so many other forces, and maybe like they were telling her to do different stuff with the character and they kept telling her to change it so maybe like that is responsible for why her performance doesn't quite resonate with me in that yeah i mean she was she was cast in the initial stages to play a character who is so you know uh defiant and rebellious and you know whether the like how big the reshoots were or whatever then suddenly being asked to be a completely apathetic character like yeah it's just it's just a huge change, and so I feel like any problem that people have with her in that movie really has to do with the script and nothing to do with her performance because she's really just doing what they're asking her to do um, and bringing it's her own thing to the table when sure. she is asked yeah. to do that. But it's just uh, it's hard to get on board with someone who gives so little shits. Uh, and yeah. that was really my beef with that character. And I just wonder what the plot could have been Maybe that's why they changed it, but I, I just want to know what the plot would have been and what the resolution would have been and what the turn would have been for her if she was just a rebel from through all the way, you know? 
um, maybe maybe there was she she felt more aligned with the Imperials at the end or something like that, or and she had to change something. I don't know. Maybe they just wrote themselves into a dead end. But hmm. yeah, seems like it was just not a lot of clarity and not a lot of uh, like having a vision. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I think you and I t- actually talked about this the other day, but I-, I would have to disagree with like her her sort of turn as it exists in this this version of the movie that we see. You know, I think we see a little girl who has everything taken away from her. She's sent to live with Saw Gerrera, who, come on, not the best legal guardian. Sure. Yeah, that dude's weird. So you just see over and over again, people either abandoning her or things taken away from her. And, she, you know, she was there for the beginning of the rebellion. She, It's not that, you know, she was completely disaffected. She was, she was part of that fight. But like Cassian, you know, she... Well, maybe not like Cassian, but she she left that because she felt that it it wasn't it wasn't helping her, and that there was really nobody there for her. And then you see that turn in the end when you see Cassian, who is sort of the opposite, and you know he he also thinks that like nobody's like there for him personally, but he he believes in this bigger cause. Um, seeing him believe in her, uh, and and melt that barrier of trust away. And you can see that she's getting excited about the idea of rebellion again. And I, I don't know. That works for me. But I... Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Mike and, Mike and I disagree about character decisions in just about every episode of Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing new here. That's fair. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that you say they should have done Solo first. Because wasn't Solo the movie that did so badly that they were like, actually, we're going to cancel all these plans we had for other Star Wars movies? Um <laughs> <laughs> But I think Rogue One would have been in development by that point already, because I think Rogue One and Solo were kind of being worked on with some sort of overlap. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Solo was in progress when Rogue One was out, so... No, I know. It's just, I I just, I remember that happening and being like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mike, I think now is the perfect time for you to tell us how you feel about the planets in Rogue One. Sure. Sure. Um, All right. So number seven through four, here we go. Rogue One comes in at number seven. And I'll say it correctly this time, Jeddah, not Jakku. Um, (laughs) Jeddah, honestly, it was very, uh, like, looks-wise, it didn't really bring anything new to the table. It was pretty boring. And it was probably the coolest when it was getting exploded. So that's how I feel about (laughs) Jeddah. Rainy Planet, don't know the name of it. Uh, Boring to me. Uh, very dark. It's just kind of like one of those Jurassic Park things where we just hide it in rain and darkness and we'll just do everything around it. Like, it just seemed kind of lazy to me. Um, and then Tropical Planet. I like it. Change of scenery, bright sun, beaches. I'd like to go hang out there. Not really uh, top of my list, though. Number six, we got The Last Jedi. Crate. Cool as hell, you know? I mean, I wish, I, I almost wish I'd put this higher up on my list because Crate is just like a great idea for a planet. It's just, you know, it's salt. What else can you say? It's just that red planet with the, the the white planet with the red underneath. It's just, I like it as, as a design idea. Like a lot of these, this list comes from like, what is like, are the inhabitants cool? Are the creatures cool on it? Does it look cool? Um, and crate definitely is pretty high up there. Um, Canto bite. I honestly kind of like the idea of Las Vegas in space and not being a space station. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's just, you get to see a lot more of the galaxy. I think, Honestly, I'm kicking myself right now for not putting Last Jedi closer to the top of my list. But, you know, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to gush over it as it is. And Octu, um, that is just, I, I like the idea of a planet. I want to imagine that's the only landmass on that entire planet and just an ocean, <laughs> but I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think the inhabitants are cute, the little, like, nuns or whatever they are um, that are hanging out. The caretakers. Oh, they rule. 
the porgs, the caretakers, so good. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a it's an opposite of Dagobah to me. It's kind of like a reflection because Dagobah is like swampy and gross and wet. And this one is also wet, but it's it's more bright and sunny and except when it's raining, I guess. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of force resonance there. I guess Luke went there for a reason, maybe. And um, also the moves. Also don't that, forget the moves. Is that the thing that he drinks the milk? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, honestly. Oh, yeah, baby. I, I really wish I'd bumped this at the top of my list. I wish I'd thought harder about this list, you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> I think also, Mike, uh, I, I I have to point out, I think you missed a, a planet on Rogue One, the first planet. It has a title card. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I know. They gave us those title cards because they're so unremarkable. The Black Sand Beach planet. It's where like Cassian meets up with that guy to get that information and then shoots him back. It's like a base or something like that or a space station. It's like a mining colony. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a town. Yeah, Cassian murder planet. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Uh, okay uh number five the rise of skywalker again this is a situation where i probably wish i put it further up my list but i need to leave those prequels at the top so you got to bear with me here um so exegol like totally cool planet like it it is jake i I totally understand where you're coming from with the crushing nightmares i used to have dreams like that uh large masses crushing down from the top and seeing that in theaters absolutely brought me back at that place too and when we connected on that when we reviewed the movie i was just like it was very weird and eerie to find that we both had that experience, but maybe it's just a universal experience. The ocean on Endor, I like that. I like the expansion of Endor. We're seeing more geography, um, you know, and also just, I feel like that planet gets a second chance um, because of how the Death Star crashed into it and changed the way its landscape and whatnot. Is that the same planet in the Endor system? Is it the, the moon? I imagine. Yeah, but I it's a different moon. It's a I different thought it moon? was. A, I thought it was in the same system, but I don't think it's actually the the same moon of Endor that the shield was on. Yeah, I think it's a different. Moon. It's the it's the ocean oceanic moon of Endor as opposed to the forest moon of Endor. Yeah, we'll still call them Endor though, because that's just what we do. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's got the big crash Death Star, which is pretty cool. Sure, climbing around it. <laughs> uh, Burning Man planet, uh, whatever that <laughs> one was. Uh, I d- didn't really do anything for me. Um, I kind of like the, the lizard on it, though, like the, the, the snake thing underground that Ray heals. That was kind of fun. Uh, so that's why I made it pretty high up in the list. And then uh, World War II planet. Uh, that was cool. And I say World War II as, as in like a European small village kind of covered in snow. Um, that was fun as well. So that's my number five pick. Number four, we finally get into the good ones, you guys. Uh, we got the Phantom Menace. Um, it's our first introduction to Tatooine. And I know I shat on Tatooine earlier, but I just want to say, this is the first time we're seeing it. We're just like, whoa, look at this desert planet. Is it really all a desert? And yeah, it's really all a desert. It's crazy. Our first exposure to Coruscant. Is it really just a giant city? Yeah, it's really just a giant city, and that's cool as hell. And I think if you look into other media and see how like, the depths of Coruscant go and everything, I think it's really cool to 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 really. It just it just it created something really amazing that we you didn't think you could ever see, and you see it in this. Um, and then Naboo, you know what? It's just a very diverse planet. We have uh, an ecosystem under the water with with inhabitants there, and we have people on the top of you know on the land and. We got some cool starfighters, and so the people there clearly have some good sense of design. I love the architecture. I love the hair. I love the outfits. I love the idea that there's two two species on this planet that are just kind of like coexisting, but not really hanging out until the end. Um, and then that yeah, that's something number four. Um, and that's I also like the fact that Naboo is created with the the salt. Uh, the way that they did the waterfalls on Naboo was through the salt pouring through the green screen or whatever. Um, so that's bonus points for me. Mine gets up there. 
I do think that the I think the reason that people still like watch and love the prequels, even though most people are like, these are bad, um, is that even there's something about Star Wars that it just has like a sense of continuity, even like when the movies make no fucking sense. um, (laughs) It has a sense of production design and continuity and like a detail in the in just the way that it's assembled that sets it apart from a lot of other uh really any other like science fiction properties and franchises and i think that is what what causes people to sort of fall in love with it and even like the parts that they're like well this isn't as good it's what causes people to still care about it and still love all the parts of it and i think that i was trying to appreciate that about the prequels on this rewatch uh, because I do think that like the production design in those is really good. Like I really liked. Oh yeah. One detail I really liked in Phantom Menace was the Gungan city. That's like all those underwater orbs. Yeah. I thought that was like so cool. I was like, I don't even remember this part, but this is so sick. So that was I said something nice. <laughs> yeah, and the the costume design too. I mean, like yeah, anything costumes are just, anything the that queen the queen wears is, is just absolutely crazy. I I finally tracked down a copy of like the the production design book from um from star wars and it has like all of those you know the costume designs and, and everything and i'm really excited to pour into that when it gets here um i, I recently watched all the behind the scenes for um the three documentaries that are on youtube for the the prequel trilogies and i just i mean i'm sure they did this with all the movies and stuff but i just really really loved watching everything that went into creating these people like I, i'm jumping ahead but like general grievous like seeing um what went into the creation of that character and how they came up with what he looked like and all the other examples, um, watching them design like the sets that they actually, they actually made some of the planets in attack of the clones, like the, the settings and, and use them as like, it's just so fun. And, and I just, I got so much out of that. And like, just, I think the one thing they nailed, like Jake said, is this the design, like those, those starfighters are awesome to look at. And yeah, so much love and care went into that and not as much went into the script, which is a huge bummer. Um, but it just shows that like he knows who to hire. I hope that with Disney plus, you know, giving more people access to these movies that, um, you know, there, there is a newfound love for these and that the appreciation will spread to a younger generation. And I hope that that will encourage Lucasfilm and Disney to, to embrace them a little bit more. We're starting to see the prequels getting picked up in, in other bits of media, like little nods where, before like you were seeing a lot of the you know the extra canon stuff whether it be like the um the animated series or the earlier disney movies they just weren't really drawing much from the the clone wars era but i want to see more of that and i want to see that interest come to a point where they'll actually make the you know the making of books for those movies like they deserve i think they started making one of them uh and it got canceled i think they're just they didn't think there was any money left <laughs> to milk out of those three movies, especially after some time had passed and favor didn't necessarily settle. So I want people to be able to find something to like about the prequels because it's just it's not it's not fun and it's boring and it's tired to hate on them. Like there are really terrible things about it. And Hayden Christensen's performance in the, the second movie is absolutely one of them. But there's so much great stuff and so much it does just harken back to the insane amount of time and effort and talent that went into the design of every single aspect of those things. Like even the crowds at the, the pod race, like so much effort went into making all those little models in the stand. It's just bonkers. It gave us a great N64 game too. 
That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> it was just reissued. Yeah, I think... So what I see as the problem with the prequels is that it was... And you can kind of... Now that we have these all three trilogies, you can kind of... I feel like you can kind of see, like, what happened. And I feel like in the original one, it was George Lucas working together with a lot of people to create something that was, like, combining a bunch of, like, old, different ideas into something new. And that's why it was a huge hit, and that's why it retains its, uh, like value to to this day and then the prequels were like george lucas was like okay i'm gonna make these but it's gonna be all me i'm gonna be in charge of everything the design i'm gonna write the script i'm gonna direct all three of them it's all gonna be me it's all coming from me and everyone was like hell yeah make more star wars we want that money we are not gonna question you at all no one is gonna we're gonna let you completely fulfill your vision and i think lucas is a great designer he's a great technician he's a great uh He's like great at pitching like these worlds and knowing the details and just he knows it all. But I think he's not a great like maybe not as good of a writer or a director of actors. And you can see it in the performances in those movies. And I think that's why. So if you care about like the lore and the like the worlds that he builds, those movies are great. And I think that's why they still do strike a chord with people, but they lack in other aspects. And so then you jump to the news, the sequel trilogy the ones that just ended and it's kind of the opposite where it's a bunch of guys with no real vision kind of trying to say <laughs> i'm so sorry uh, i'm dog sitting my friend's dog and he is really wants to play right now uh, <laughs> 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 um but <laughs> but um so it's all these guys kind of saying okay well star wars to me like in force awakens is kind of jj Abrams saying okay star wars to me is this it is like these characters sort of interacting with this world, going on these adventures. It has this good versus evil. It always has to take place in these certain kind of uh, situations. And they're all, it has to conclude with a lightsaber battle and just like all these beats that it needs to hit. And that's like his idea of Star Wars. And then Ryan Johnson is like, well, what if we, what if Star Wars is something different? What if we tried all these new things with Star Wars? And what if Star Wars can be that? And that's why that you have its swing to The Last Jedi. And then J.J. Abrams comes back and is like, well, my idea was this. Um, so, But it's kind of the opposite problem, you know, where they don't have somebody who is in charge of everything. So there isn't that narrative cohesion in that world that kind of makes it all make sense. So I think that's kind of the difference between the trilogies. Yeah, the prequels had that consolidated power aspect, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like There were definitely. just a lot of yes people surrounding George. And yeah. And absolutely, I think a lot of people thought that was going to turn out okay. Um, why wouldn't it? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, you you do you you miss out on some of those collaborative aspects that you get in the the later stuff, like the newer movies. And so with the newer ones, the the power is sort of distributed in these strange ways, where you have the studio and producers who are expecting something, and then you have the creative team, which are you know sort of helping guide this narrative except they didn't do like a full on arc and whether that was for reasons of security and, you know, confidentiality, I don't know. I don't think that we'll ever know that. Um, but it, it didn't, it, it didn't work to the benefit of that saga. Whereas with, you know, other endeavors and you know, I think they're learning lessons from that. Like the story group is working on a new, um, a new series, not of films, but of books that take place in an entirely new section of time in the star Wars, you know, star Wars franchise. And, mm-hmm. They really took the time on this one to bring in all of the storytellers for all of the different stories and get them in one room and really create 
that world. So it's still distributed and that everybody gets to tell their stories within a frame. But as a group, they were able to decide what that frame was going to be and what the major points are. Um, and that way they can all interact with each other and they can play with each other. But do you don't get that weird scattered storytelling that you get with the three saga movies in the final trilogy. I think the story group is a good idea simply because they've expanded so far beyond just the movies and even the animated TV shows that were both pretty popular. Well, by both, I mean Clone Wars and Rebels, not necessarily Resistance, because that was kind of... (laughs) For a completely different age group, I still watched it, of course, but it, that was definitely more great. of a young kid show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but Mitchell, what's your seven through four? Hit us with it. Okay, so yeah, I, I like this because I feel like the ranking them this way kind of breaks them up into sort of the tiers that I see Star Wars as, which is like the ones that are very... The, so the first one is like the very bad, not good. I don't really need to rewatch these. I, mean, I think these are not very good movies um, level. And then I feel like this is like the functional, like things here, mo- these for the most part work. I enjoy them. They are above average to good. Just not your favorite. Yeah, they're just not my favorites for whatever reason. So I think that mine are... Hang on. Okay, so we're doing seven through four? Yes. Okay, so Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Force Awakens, and then Return of the Jedi. I would kind of put Return of the Jedi on, like, the top tier of the movies. Like, I would put it up there with the other ones. It just is not my favorite. But, um, yeah, I feel like all of these work to a degree or another. I feel like they are all, like, decent to good Star Wars movies. Um, They just are things in them that I'm not completely in love with. Like, I am my top ones. So does anyone, I feel like those are pretty in line with, we pretty much covered most of them here. (laughs) Yeah, with my seven through four, I kind of feel the same way you do, Mitchell, but with The Rise of Skywalker at seven, that one could have gone either way as far as these two tiers for me. I easily could have put Revenge of the Sith in the seven spot instead of The Rise of Skywalker. But I did like enough of The Rise of Skywalker on a second watch to put it in this tier instead and then return of the jedi i think that one just has a little bit too much of the ewoks for pretty much (laughs) everyone who watches it but it's still a fun star wars movie rogue one i like for all of the reasons jacob said earlier and the force awakens i think we all felt like that was kind of the hey star wars is back and everyone was so hyped up about it that it was hard not to like that movie on Return of the Jedi, something I find really interesting is that when anybody has anything you know critical to say about the movie, generally it has something to do with the Ewoks. And so when they're mm. talking about things that they that they don't like or anything that stands out in that movie, they always say the Ewoks. And the Ewoks are in such a small portion of that movie, and you know they are probably one of the more least interesting parts of it. But it is the thing that people talk about when they talk about Return of the Jedi, and yes. I think that's phenomenal because the big first half of that movie is awesome. Everything that happens on Tatooine is so fun and so cool, but we're not talking about the Rancor. We're not talking about Leia breaking in and saving Han. We're talking about the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, that that movie by all means is yeah. one of is my top three in terms of like saga service. But like, yeah, that that dogfight at the end with all the starfighters and like just everything they do in that last is is you know Rogue One. Like if we're ranking by by space battles 
you know, we got Rogue One and Return of the Jedi right right at the top. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Followed by Phantom Menace. Yes, really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try spinning. No, I, I think Return of the Jedi is great and is like just under the other two because the other two are doing or giving me something new right or something that i've like never seen before and something that like kind of changes cinema forever and just for for and it's not even really the movie's own fault but return of the jedi is not doing that it is giving you a very good star wars movie that's wrapping up this uh this trilogy and i think that just the fact that it's not doing what the other two did and being as meaningful um to not only like the world building but also like the the cinematic landscape literally those two movies changed cinema forever um it just kind of is what separates them but i still think it is as enjoyable and stands as like the the original trilogy is fairly unimpeachable for me even though i do like the last jedi more (laughs) i would say that if i'm watching empire i'm watching jedi also like i will watch star wars on its own a lot of times like if i you know if i'm in the mood i will watch the trilogy in its entirety not in one day necessarily but like in a, a short period of time but if i'm watching empire i'm almost certainly going to watch jedi also i think star wars in general works better as i just want to watch this one because of how it ends and i kind of get a feeling that you can just watch that one without feeling the need to watch the whole trilogy to get a story arc it's paced a lot differently than the other ones. Like Star Wars, the original Star Wars is like so much slower than the other. Like it takes a while to get going. You really get to just hang out with Luke and Obi-Wan and then you get slowly introduced to like Han and then you get introduced to Leia and it really like builds over. It's really paced a lot differently because it takes so long to get to like the action in that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I do see it as kind of different from the other ones. And that's kind of what gives it its own kind of, yeah i i think also because the characters are together primarily for most of the movie it also feels more like a tv show like you can segment that movie into parts you know you can have tatooine as one episode you can have Endor as another it it has very distinct portions to it um that make it more digestible and i think fits what deanna was saying where it, it is something that you can just kind of watch on its own because you have these established characters you already know how they interplay with each other and here we can just get some story and some action yeah, well, that wraps up round two here. So we're heading into the final round. Merjani, your top three. <laughs> round three. Number three, Rogue One. Ooh. Number two, Star Wars A New Hope. And number one, Empire Strikes Back. Nice. Solid. Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite sequel movies ever. A lot of people regard it as one of, one of the greatest sequel movies ever out there with like godfather 2 i heard at some point it's just the whole thing with like ending on a cliffhanger and things going wrong so wrong for the heroes like everything goes wrong uh you know han gets you know put in that carbon carbonite yeah Mm -hmm. luke loses a hand you find out you know he has a father and he's mechanical he's darth vader Mm -hmm. the betrayal like leia in peril it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy way to end like a, uh, a middle movie <laughs> and like it, yeah. for all the chances it took and, and all the moments, you know, with Luke having with Yoda in that movie as well. Like it's, you know, it's probably the best for me 
Star Wars, like, uh, A New Hope is just, you know, it's the movie, but it wasn't better to me than Empire Strikes Back. And Rogue One, when I saw Rogue One, I was like, okay, this is what I got excited because this is what they're going to do with, like, those type of one-off movies. Like, it's going to be a badass, you know, retelling of history and lore and we're going to get new characters and and i think that's why i didn't like solo so much like if solo came first before uh, rogue one i probably would have ranked solo a little bit higher but since rogue one came out and we got that story and of course a famed k2so who's like one of my favorite star wars uh, characters oh yeah in the whole thing um yeah rogue one is up there for me I do love the robot. Yeah, I think that's a solid list. And you can tell that you like Vader, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I just... Anakin's arc for me throughout the whole entire Star Wars lore is kind of... It's interesting because, you know, he's this little boy that is not supposed to be in the Jedi Order. He has these midichlorians, and he's too old. (laughs) But, like, Qui-Gon takes him anyway because he's like, okay, he's going to bring balance to the Force. It's all his fault. But then you see him go down this path where, like, I think in Attack of the Clones, where he attacks, where he kills uh, the Tusken Raiders because he finds, like, his mom has died. And you see that rage within him. And then the whole weird stuff with Padme and then, like, the love story there. And then you see him, I guess, go to the dark side because he wants to save the person he loves. But at the same time, he's conflicted. And you can tell even throughout the whole I just like trilogy and everything that like there's still good in him and it comes to a head at you know uh, Return of the Jedi you know what I mean he gets to see Anakin and he's just he's this powerful guy but like when he loses his helmet he's just like this guy basically on a respirator and it's so fascinating his whole character arc to me yeah and I think Vader's cool because you can, I think what makes Vader more interesting to people during his time as Vader rather than his time as Anakin is because he's, you know, he's under that mask, you know, like you might know some of his backstory, but you can also project a lot onto him because you can't see his face. Mm-hmm. And I think that allows a lot of people to view Vader differently um, than, you know, the next person. And that's what makes him so so fascinating because he is menacing you know he has that voice he has that posture he has that cloak you know everything about his him is intimidating but there are that those moments where he hesitates where you think somebody surely as powerful as him would just be so ruthless like you see at the end of rogue one um that's the vader that you imagine um when you like when you think of vader but when you're watching vader there's so much more to him he is so much more complex he is really truly one of the great film characters he's fascinating yeah i mean you could say that for luke too uh you know han solo's arc even going with you know the force awakens is pretty cool uh you know it's just i don't know looking back at this whole trilogy now that i kind of given this whole list even with the problems that i have with some of the movies like i can undeniably point to each movie and pick at least two moments where I'm like, that's amazing. Like even with, uh, I'll say with uh, The Rise of Skywalker, where Kylo Ren sees a vision of Han Solo. 
I'm like, all right, first of all, Chris Terrio wrote this. So this is obviously him harkening back to what he did in Batman and Superman when when uh, uh, Clark sees Paul Kent when he's marching up in the mountains. But it hit like um, there's emotional chords that each of these movies hit. And I'm like, all right, like even though like, like I said, even though like I may have problems with them, like there's still great things about all these movies. It still feels when I like cue these movies up, I still get that Star Wars feel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I, you know, with Marvel movies or like even with DC movies or any movies that have gotten to like 10 or 11 films. I don't know if I could say that to uh, about them. Yeah. Yeah. The Star Wars feel is such a big, mm-hmm. big thing. And that's, you know, Definitely. that's the whole driver behind my list. It's, it's the reason why I have it ranked the way that I do. And I don't know if if anybody has anything else to say, we can do that or we can dive into mine. But they're very similar. Like you got to have Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back up there. You know, they're just so they're just so canonically great. Um, the Empire Strikes Back is probably the better movie uh, from most filmmaking metrics, but Star Wars is just so singular. There's nothing like it. Like I I watch Star Wars several times a year and that's just insane. Like I don't do that for anything else. I very rarely will rewatch a movie that I've seen within the past couple of years, let alone Star Wars, which I will watch whenever. It's just <laughs> so easy to put on and it really does like it, I I roll my eyes when everybody say, when somebody is talking about something online and it's like, "Oh, this reminds me of my childhood." But Star Wars really does have, you know, these emotional memories tied to it that take me back to very very early points in my life like i i can't remember what i said i think we might have talked about it in our, our pilot episode of bantha fodder but i think i first saw star wars when i was maybe four or something four or five okay and it's just so crazy to have something evoke memories of that time you know playing with a lightsaber in my backyard. Like so many of my childhood memories revolve around Star Wars in some way that I don't know. It, it's just, it's a singular thing. And I, I, I don't think that I can really explain why Star Wars itself is my number one movie as, apart from that. It's just so um, embedded in everything. <laughs> my entire world revolved, my entire room is covered in Star Wars. So I, you know, it is, it seriously <laughs> does surround me all the time. And for, for that movie to kick off, a universe like that is just so bonkers. So you said that's your number one, but I kind of want to hear a little more about why The Force Awakens is your number three. Is it just because it hit you with that same feeling that you get when you watch the original trilogy? Yeah, putting Force Awakens at number three is, you know, it's like a second chance for me to put Star Wars in the top three twice. (laughs) (laughs) It is in so many ways a rehash, and I don't don't see that as a detriment. Um, I, I see that as... A necessary thing for Star Wars to kick back off like that was the movie that reignited the franchise after a, a really long gap after a really rough trilogy and The Force Awakens hits a lot of those nostalgic chords while also introducing us to some really amazing new characters and taking some bold choices with them so yeah I think The Force Awakens deserves to be up there it it may be like it may not be like the most interesting star wars movie but i think it really did something very special for the saga and for an entire generation of new kids who can enjoy star wars particularly girls like the number of girls that i see interested in star wars now is way more 
yeah. than there ever were when I was a kid. Way more than when my sister was younger. Like, you just, you didn't see girls playing with Star Wars toys and, you know, dressing up as Jedi for Halloween. There were, you know, there were a few here and there, but it was rare. It's a lot more common now because there's representation on screen. And, you know, I'm sure the same goes for other minority groups who are seeing people like them in Star Wars for the first time. And, and yeah, I mean, there have been, there have been good examples of, of like strong characters in Star Wars movies in the past. Like Leia is the prime example of that archetype, but to see a Jedi like Ray and, and just, you know, somebody younger who you're learning about the force with them. Right. As a, as somebody new to the, the franchise is just that special. I think the force awakens is a great jumping on point for, new fans because a lot of kids probably aren't going to be watching something from 1977 unless it resonated with their parents. But I feel like this is something a kid could see, you know, the trailer for on TV and kind of beg their parents to take them to go see it. And it just starts this new generation's love for Star Wars. Man, the best thing that I saw going to see The Force Awakens and seeing that crawl and hear, da-da! And like feeling that again is seeing older parents bringing their kids and seeing it. That was really awesome. And like to go to Jacob's point with Ray, I feel that with everybody loving Ray, it led to a rediscovery of Leia and how bad badass she really was. That was another thing that I saw like that went cross generations. So just me for like a black man to see Finn fighting a lightsaber duel at the end. Yeah. I was like, yo, like he, is he, does he, is he force sensitive? Like, is he a Jedi? Like, it was really cool to see them give a nod other than like Lando, like who's really cool as well. But like to see him in like using lightsabers and possibly being a Jedi that at that time, I was like, wow, this is really progressive and really dope. It's really inclusive to everyone. Absolutely. I mean, there was Mace Windu, but he kind of gets thrown out a window. Um, <laughs> he, his shit gets rocked. Um, and he kind of just sits brooding and isn't very fun for those movies. So I, I, I get it. Yeah, he's just mean for no reason. Yeah, he's not that like you cast Samuel Jackson and you just have him just sort of be like, yeah, I don't care what's going on. Take like seat, Skywalker. Yeah, it's so lame. Anyways, neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? I'm ready for your bit. Oh, it's not a bit. Come on. <laughs> I, I just, I, but I did want to say. Just grading I, on a different curve. I just wanted to um, mention about The Force Awakens that I totally agree with y'all, um, which I, I recognize is a totally boring thing to do is just agree with everybody. But I, I, <laughs> I did want to say that like The Force Awakens just sparks such joy, but also such intrigue. Um, you know, when, when we talk about things we loved about it, it's just the intrigue of Force Awakens. You know, just the idea of like the Knights of Ren. I love, like my favorite thing in fiction, reading science fiction or any type of fiction, um, especially fantasy, is like the idea that you're given, you're just planted in this world and you have to take everything at face value. And we were given this world where like Luke Skywalker's just gone. I loved it. I loved Luke Skywalker just being out of the movie for the entire thing and coming in the last shot. I loved the like Kylo Ren, you know, being revealed to be the son of Leia and Han. I loved this person named Snoke, you know, this, this mystery. And like the idea, like you could, we just had so many theories and like 
Jake knows that I was not a huge fan of the Ray conjecture and I was on team Ray nobody for a long time. Okay. But I just really, really, really loved all the, the, uh, the way that we, we were able to just think about what the possibilities, like who the Knights of Ren, what happened to Luke, all that stuff. Um, and for me, that's what a lot of what force awakens, uh, made me love. Um, and I also want to say before I jump into my top three that I, I pretty much, I'm really thankful that y'all give me the, the opportunity to speak about why I actually love these movies and which ones. And I was kind of counting on that, which is why I was able to do uh, my ridiculous list. Um, so without further ado, let me unlock my iPad here. Uh, my top three. Coming at number three, we have The Empire Strikes Back, which is, you know, on, at surface value on these planets, pretty pretty basic, but I think that they're the most inspired. We have a planet that is entirely made of ice it's just it's just really cold it's remote and it's because the rebels needed such a great place to flee to after destroying the death star it's where they thought they would never look at that one shield generator just protecting them uh the tauntauns the idea that they had to winterize the snow speeders it's just like those speeders were not made for for hoth you know those those things were just speeders and I just think it's a great idea to be like, oh, let's go to this place and see what challenges these people have. Because you just they just show up on these planets and they can breathe and they can land and they can do whatever they want. They can swim underwater to the Gungan city. And but like we're actually seeing them presented with a challenge on this planet. And we'll see that later on the list. Uh in my top three. And uh, also Bespin in Empire Strikes Back. It's just a city in the clouds. It's a it's a very practical city. It's mining Tabana gas. It's it's just like it's doing uh, so much visually, you know, it is hovering there. You just, you just want to know what it's all about. And it's all run by Lando, which is really, really great. Uh, and then Dagobah came up earlier on the list, but this time we actually get to see like it's nature as like a very resonant place of the forest. We have that really creepy cave, um, where Luke gets to face off against the Vader spirit or whatever. Um, and we get R2, like I, I genuinely, my skin crawled when watching Empire and I couldn't, I had to like leave the room as a kid when uh, the, the thing was kind of like like going up and down in the water and like ate R2 and everything like that. It just, just freaked me out. So yeah, Dagobah, much better representation in Empire Strikes Back. Um, number two on my list, Revenge of the Sith. You know, it's, I'm just so happy that these prequels are getting some love right now. Um, <laughs> and Jake, you have to agree with me. If, if Exegol is your favorite, your second favorite planet has to be Mustafar. It has to be. Yeah, but its representation in Revenge of the Sith isn't my favorite. Sure. I mean, I think I think it's a, it gave us... So it spawned... It's much like Tatooine and Phantom Menace, yeah. <laughs> the first chronological film in this series. It gave us a great idea of what this planet could be. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of... And I think that's what Mustafar did uh, in Revenge of the Sith, because we get great Mustafar in the comics. I love the Vader series. And in Rogue One. And getting to see that. And... and um, you know, just this, the, we see that there are, are, are species native to Mustafar in the comics. It's just made of lava. It's just, again, just a planet that people were seeing them having to, having to adapt to and find uses for. Uh, and it just is totally threatening, but they still just go to it anyway. The only thing that kind of detracts from Mustafar, Mustafar gives it so many positive points, but negative points for Utapau. It's that planet in the beginning that no one remembers that they end up on i think that's where grievous dies right oh with the big hole yeah sure yeah but we all forgot about it where obi-wan's right in like uh the the lizard thing yeah the lizard thing running it's just like it's a planet you don't really get to see much of it it's fine 
Um, the space battle above it, so I think, is what actually matters. Um, and then we've seen Coruscant before, but I, again, Mustafar just gives me so many positive points um, in this. In Revenge of the Sith, there's also that whole when they do the the Order sixty six that kills all the Jedi, it flashes to like yeah, you do a get, ton of really yeah, cool. Those are on bonus Earth. points. Yeah. yeah, those are definitely bonus points. A ton of really cool planets happen, and you're just like, what? This is so cool. Yeah, and then you get absolutely. To see the Jedi all get killed. Um, but the, yeah, there's like <laughs> I forgot to mention Mustafar in Rogue One as well. Uh, early in the, the list, castle. and that that is regrettable. Okay, and then my number one choice is only one left, and it clearly is the best of them all: Attack of the Goddamn <laughs> Clones. Such a troll. I, I'm not trolling. I'm dead serious, Jake. All right, I am a thalassophobe. Uh, thalassophobia is the fear of open water. Uh, I think a lot of people will share in that fear. Jake, you have the fear of being crushed, the dreams of being crushed. Open water is a terrifying thing. For that reason, Camino uh, is just the polar opposite of what I thought Octo was. Octo is like a little island in the middle. It's like a refuge place for me in that middle. Shouldn't it be your bottom ranch one if it's scary? It's just a big rainy planet (laughs) full of water. And the inhabitants kind of just sway their necks back and forth all the time. They're making clones there. They're doing God knows what. They're just so advanced scientifically. Did I mention the rain? It's just wild there. <laughs> Wet and wild. Geonosis. I think if you've watched the Clone Wars and seen what they do with Geonosis, it just becomes such a wider world. And I'm so happy that George Lucas introduced us to Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. Just the hive mind and those creatures and just it's just it's just a really great and rich it's disgusting to look at, but it's a really beautiful place to explore in, in terms of what they could do with it in terms of led to seriously maybe one of the most disturbing moments in star wars history it's in the extended universe but still like absolutely, absolutely awful yeah like you you never like you just 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 some clone troopers lighting up the inhabitants on fire with flamethrowers it's just a wild thing and again george lucas gave us that um tatooine okay for sure naboo again sure coruscant enough we've seen it but again camino is just so scary and big and watery that it just it tops my list for coolest planet in the entire like who who would just oh man it was a race from the jedi archives okay <laughs> You don't like the when they go to Naboo and uh, Anakin rides those. Uh, I don't even know how to describe those. Those like pig things. Oh yeah, that that was Naboo, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. like the lake. Yeah, the Naboo I mean, lake house, the summer that home. Me and Padme go chill at. Yeah, it really just expands in the Naboo, which I which I always like. One thing that you're pointing out to me is that Star Wars they don't their planets are not diverse. Like each planet is just one thing, pretty much. Maybe two things maximum. Except for Naboo. Naboo Naboo's pretty diverse. Naboo has two things. No, it has the forest as well. I think Naboo is like the most like idyllic it. and most earthy. Sure. Yeah, it has the city, it has the forest, and it has the underwater. Okay, so yeah, it has three things. And the rolling plains. Oh, and the planet's core is like water because they drive through it with that, that ship and they get chased by the fish. Well, Multiple yeah. Fish. Core is water. I guess th- th- one thing I just wanted to highlight is back when... <laughs> Pablo Hidalgo was accepting followers on Twitter or whatever. He w- he posted a picture of one of the Star Wars style guides, uh, like or just a photo of text, and it was just talking about how to create a planet in Star Wars. And mm-hmm. I think it was just like it, it it really it was just like think of like a place on Earth, and then that is the entire planet. So exactly <laughs> what you're saying, Mitch, it was just like the where like on Star Earth Wars is planet. great. Well, it's a desert, you know, it just, I mean, it's a salt lake. I was lake. wondering where Crete was. It's like, it's, there are it's, salt flats. There yeah, are like absolutely. salt 
flats. And, uh, so I just added the color red to that. A barren lake, a barren lake in Africa. Um, I just watched a special on Netflix about that. You know, it's it, they're they're all geographical, and some of them could never exist, obviously. But like, that's just how they're created, and and they are diverse. <laughs> but at the same time, they're employed in such a way where it's just like this is not taking. Like, you could just say this whole thing takes place on one planet. Yep. Um, <laughs> but each each movie is just has a planet made up of three different worlds or four different worlds. It's like a Mass Effect game. Exactly. In conclusion, the prequel trilogy has two out of my top three spots, and therefore it is the superior of all the trilogies. <laughs> Thank you. Well, case made. Two hours in. <laughs> okay, I gotta change. I gotta change my rankings. Can we? Can we cut this episode? We'll come yeah. back. To, we'll come back fresh next week, and I'll have a better take. We're gonna redo the whole thing. Everybody, just flip your list upside down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry you have to follow that up, Mitchell. <laughs> Every time you're making me follow it up. Every single time. You're doing a great job, though. <laughs> Thanks. Um. Yeah. So my top three. Uh. Star Wars. Uh, Empire and then Last Jedi at number one. Um, I think we've pretty much covered what Star Wars and Empire mean. I feel like Star Wars is like the movie where they were a bunch of people. It was a huge risk, very troubled production. Like they just were cramming together a bunch of ideas and things that they thought were cool and they thought should be a movie. And guess what? It was a huge hit and it completely changed cinema forever. And then Empire was them being like, okay, now we actually have money so we can <laughs> actually make this movie look like we want it to look and be what we want it to be. So it's them just kind of firing on all cylinders. And I think that's what makes those. And I think it also has like the tragic ending. It has, it challenges its characters. It expands in, in the universe in a way that you don't quite, that in a bigger way than you really see in any of the other movies. Um, and I think it's, just those two together are pretty unimpeachable as like the, the rest of the franchise doesn't really hold doesn't really you can't really enjoy it without liking those two i feel like and at least or respecting them um and then the reason i put the last jedi at number one is so i grew up watching i had like the vh did anyone have the vhs box set of the special editions that was like a copper colored vader head hmm. three vhs tapes did anyone have that yeah i rented it a lot <laughs> yeah i had that so i watched those a lot i think i watch i feel like i watch empire the most for whatever reason because that's um but yeah so i like those i saw all the prequels when they were coming out me and my friends had lightsaber fight club we all had lightsabers and we would fight each other when we were in elementary school i remember all of this very clearly my best friend brian was like a huge he's like to this day still like obsessed with star wars he plays all the video games has read like a lot of the books he's a huge star wars dude and like we both really loved those when they came out because we were the perfect age for them um but i do now look back on them and be like okay well those are what they are and those meant that to you at that time and uh when so when force awakens came out i wasn't really excited about it i think i me and my friends saw it like pretty far into its run i think it came out in like december it came out in like mid-december i didn't think i saw it until like mid-january because i remember it was just making so much money and it was just like crushing the box office and i was just like eh, i don't know if i really care about this and so i watched it pretty late into its run and i was like yeah that was good that was like a good 
Like the uh, and I think the strength of it is the it casts really good characters and it's able to re- invoke that Star Wars feeling and it is functional and it serves its purpose. I think it is very successful in that. Um, but it doesn't really move the needle for me. I was like, yeah, that was a Star Wars movie. That was that ticked all the boxes for what I want a Star Wars movie to be, and so that's fine. But I wasn't like particularly excited to see Last Jedi. Um, so fast forward a couple years and I got way more into films. I started watching films with, uh, the girl I was dating at the time and we, she was a film major and we got like way more into movies and stuff. And so, uh, we had tickets to see Last Jedi on the Friday it was coming out and we were excited to see it. So we went to the Grove to watch, to try and watch, uh, The Shape of Water, which, (laughs) It was the only theater in LA playing it, and we really wanted to see it uh, the night before. Um, but the the one showing of Shape of Water was sold out, and there were like ten showings of the Last Jedi. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we'll watch the Last Jedi twice then. So we went on Thursday and watched it, um, and I was like, holy shit! I feel like I just watched like an entire season of Star Wars. So much happens in that movie. I don't even know what the fuck happened. I just remember a ton of cool shit happened, and I was really into it. So we watched it, and then we watched it again the next night, and I was like, oh my god, do I love Star Wars now? Like, (laughs) is this the Star Wars movie for me? And that's kind of how I've stuck to it, is it's a Star Wars movie for, like, me as an adult that really reconfirms that I care about this and that this is something that can reach heights for me, because it is, it has great performances, it looks incredible, it has really i love the directions it goes i love the themes at play i love that every character is challenged i love that it looks forward into the future and reimagines what star wars can be um and for me as a fan not really like completely invested in the narrative and everything it kind of like did a lot of things i didn't think that this franchise was capable of doing and that kind of inspired a lot of awe and love for me. And now, even when I watch it now, I'm like, oh yeah, this, every part of this fucking rules. Like the Porgs are awesome. I love the fights are the, the lightsaber fights are so cool. It does so many things. The, the, the shots in it are so head and shoulders above the other movie. It's just the, the light speed jump. It just, so many things in this movie get it right. Um, for me. And it's, so it's like my movie made for me and it delivers on what I didn't know I wanted from this franchise and made me care about it again and made me like want to do a podcast like this and want to have this discussion and want to be part of this again. Cause I don't think if that movie, I don't think if that movie came came out or if that movie hadn't come out and they had just done like, if they had just done like force the JJ trilogy, if they had just done like force awakens into something like rise of Skywalker, I would have just been like, okay, those were movies and they were Star Wars movies and that's fine. Um, but last Jedi just, was able oh i haven't even talked about uh how much i love mark hamill's performance in that movie but that is also just like next level i love that too so yeah it's star wars movie made for me that i didn't even know i wanted and that is why i love it so much and rank it above the others even though i know it may not be as good as them i love it so much (laughs) i love that you love it i think almost everyone's rankings are personal though it's not necessarily based Mm -hmm. on which movies are good films but it's what it ties to for you personally so the fact that the last jedi got you back into star wars i think speaks volumes for how much it impacted your life basically as far as the star wars universe goes 
Sure. Such a crazy movie. It's a crazy movie. It's insane. It's it's a crazy movie because there's so many ranges of emotions to it. Like there are some people who it, it it's one of the movies that really I would say divided the fandom. Like it, there's some people Absolutely. that will staunchly uh, defend it, and you know what I mean. Like and I'm like, and then there's some people who. I feel who are purists who absolutely hated the movie and like, yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, and, and to your point, like I, I thought that was pretty cool and interesting that you put it number one and I could see why you would put it number one because it's through with all these movies, the last Jedi just like, and I think Jacob said this, it sticks out like a sore thumb because it's so different. And it seems like it's so tonally different than all of the other movies. Like that's that's pretty dope. Yeah, and I yeah I think that if that is what you want and you are not tied to the franchise in the same way, then it kind of delivers something that you didn't know you, that you wanted. And it I don't know it just I I love it so much. I think it is clearly for me my favorite. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Ryan Johnson forever. Seriously, what a what a job he did. Good for good on him. I can't believe that they let him make that. I truly <laughs> like what he to to what he just said. Like I cannot believe that 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 they let him make that and that he got to release that. Like it's insane that they let him do that. And then what's more, after the reaction that that movie had, they give him three more movies. All right, is that really happening? It was supposed to. I mean, obviously, a lot okay. of things have changed in the last um, two years, but we'll see. I mean, that has. I don't think it's been officially canceled. Okay, I'm in for his movie. I'm in for Taika's movie. I think they need to get away from trilogies. That I think they should really just try to do like one-off stories or like do one, and then if they can think of another, then do that, and just kind of not force themselves into the box of this is going to be a trilogy. I think that is a dessert or if, in, if they are, they need to have somebody in control of it. So yeah, I, I think that's the way forward for them. I think they need to do more stuff kind of like Rogue One and kind of like the Mandalorian. And, but that's just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think off the top of my head, the one trilogy that would probably work is a Thrawn trilogy, just because there have been multiple Thrawn books. The ones that are now legends were a trilogy. They just, did a trilogy of Thrawn books too, but I think there's more Thrawn books coming out. Jake, can you confirm or deny that for me? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> have not haven't read them yet. I think I've read at least two, maybe three. I don't know, but they're still Timothy's on books, so he's been writing the character for years and years and years now. And I think that could make for an interesting trilogy that doesn't necessarily have to connect to the main saga. Obviously, there are ways that could connect to something like Rebels. And I think that could be an interesting way maybe to bring Rebels characters into live action. Oh, so good. I think the the trouble that you gonna you're gonna have with with Thrawn is kind of the same problem that you have with well with any kind of character that isn't totally alien but isn't completely human. Okay. There's that middle ground where yeah. the, sometimes the, the makeup or the effects just doesn't really fit, you know, especially when you have to mm. do some sort of different skin color. It either looks like paint or it looks like some kind of gloss. It's very hard to do that. So forming an entire trilogy around a character that I think would actually be kind of hard to pull off consistently. He is very um, blue. It'd be interesting. Yeah. 
Very, very blue. But I'd love to I see actually <laughs> have the same top three as Mitchell, just in a different order. So I have Last Jedi coming in third, Star Wars second, Empire first. And I think the only thing I want to say about The Last Jedi that hasn't been said is that Laura Dern is my hero. Hmm. Hell yeah. Forgot to talk about Space <laughs> Dern. Oh my, there's so much in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so much shit. Oh, it rules. Uh. I just really think that because of the chances The Last Jedi took, it resonated with me more and obviously Mitchell as well, <laughs> more than the rest of us. But you can't really beat the first two movies, I think. They set the bar so high that it's like everything that yeah. came after was automatically going to be compared against those two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're always gonna have that. How'd you guys feel about the Leia scene? The Leia scene where she uses the force to get back to the ship. Loved it. Uh... I understand people having problems with it because it kind of comes out of nowhere. It, you're very blindsided by it. it. It really is not set up very much in any of the movies. So when it happens, it's very jarring. But I think the imagery of it is beautiful. And I think that it is such an elegant, like unconventional way to show that Leia is so powerful in the Force. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. For me... The the thing that really bothered me about that scene, and I promise before this is before this episode is over, I'm going to say at least two very nice things that I genuinely mean about this movie. <laughs> that scene in particular bothered me, and I don't know who coined it. It was either me or Mike or something that we read somewhere else, but yes. it was so Mary Poppins, and <laughs> it took away what I thought was a really important moment for Leia, and I know that they were sort of hamstrung with what they could do, given carrie fisher's death right but yeah that, you know her showing that you know she she has force ability is such a major major moment for that character and for that to execute itself as somebody blasted into the vacuum of space and then just pulling themselves over to a door just didn't work for me i don't think it worked visually uh i think that i think it just didn't work the the floating was just too strange and the fact that she was just a human being, Jedi can't breathe in space. Like Jedi don't have any special power. Like the force doesn't give them the ability to, you know, not burn. And it also doesn't prevent them from freezing immediately in space. So I, that, that really bothered me. I know that there were limitations, but I just, I felt that it would have been better to cut that than to leave it. Because even though that is such a major moment, I just don't feel that that did what it intended to do. I, I mean, I, I disagree with that the assessment that like the, the force couldn't keep her safe in space. I mean, the force can heal flesh, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of no... crazy shit with the force happens in Rise of Skywalker. It, it was just such a weird way to to set that precedent, you know. I do agree with you visually, though, that it, like you know the Mary Poppins thing is just the static position. I think that if she like that scene could have been filmed and and or like choreographed beautifully. I think. But they just went for the cheapest thing that they could think of. The twitch, I love the twitch. It gave me. I thought that was how they were going to write Leia off, but the twitch was great. And then I think if the twitch had evolved into like some space dance, I don't say that to be funny. I say that to be like, like if she had like swam, like streamlined, like they would have said Superman. It would have been Superman if it wasn't Mary Poppins, I guess. But like, <laughs> there there is a way to artistically shoot that. And if you gave it to the right director, I don't think Ryan Johnson was the right director to. 
to make that scene happen in a way that was yeah. more palatable. There just I think needed that, to be some sort of body movement. Like there yeah, had to be like, some something yeah, with her moving. Fair. Her I her think joints. like her wardrobe, if it was more flowing or something, and she had done like mm. kind of like a spin or something. Like if she had just illustrated that she was in control and not Less, just like yeah, not just like a static. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that's that's fair. I think Leia's. I think the fact that Carrie Fisher dies while they're making these movies is a huge shot it shot shot in the kneecaps to these movies because you can really feel that the first two had an idea of okay these each one of these movies is going to give the send-off to these three original characters the first one is han's movie the second one is luke's movie the third one they were setting up to be leia's movie and then of course she dies before uh last jedi comes out and i think that really cripples what even if if they had it we all, we talk about them not having a plan. I think if they had anything, that really was a huge detriment. And the fact that they chose to uh, just weirdly fit her into Rise of Skywalker and have it just use old footage of her was very weird. I, I we didn't talk about this yet, but I, I feel like that choice is just so bizarre. And every time I watch it, it's like it's worse. kind of morbid. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's in like. It's amazing that they were even able to do that, I guess, but just yeah. it's such a weird choice for that character. I don't know. But if they, I, I feel like it would have been also weird if they had said, oh, she, or like shown her like getting blown up or said that she died in between movies or something like that. It's just really hard for them to, to put all their eggs in, in that basket and that not pan out for them. I think kind of shoots the new trilogy, at least the dramatic conclusion of it uh, in the foot. It's very sad. I agree. Okay. Can I say my two nice things? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, go for it. Okay. So the the last Jedi, I, I spoke about this in, in general terms at the beginning of this podcast, but it really is like the most beautiful Star Wars movie. It has some of my oh, absolute sure. favorite, you know, just visual moments. And one of them is the throne room. That whole fight is just first of all, it's it's gorgeous. The setting is amazing. Yeah. The choreography is phenomenal. Um, I love pretty much everything about that entire scene. And then there was one moment in the movie that made me audibly gasp in theaters, which was the Holdo maneuver uh, through through the ship when she just blasted right through it. And, and the you know, sound everything, cuts out? It, it just, yeah. It, oh, it cuts to that scene and the flash of light and then the sound cuts out. I just, I couldn't help it. I just audibly gasped. It was amazing. Um, incredible. I, I love stuff like that. And... I think most of my favorite shots in Star Wars have to do with ships. <laughs> Y'all know I love a Coke White Star Destroyer, but that particular <laughs> moment was just so incredible. Yeah, I, I can't thank Ryan Johnson enough for the visual themes that he added to the Star Wars universe with his movie. Yeah, I think it was definitely the most visually stunning movie. And, you know, I, I made the joke that Laura Dern is my hero, but I really think <laughs> that scene in particular played really well because she's a character we didn't really know much about her she appears in at least one of the books that i'm aware of and then you kind of get to know her at a younger age a little more and how she ended up knowing leia but you understand that they have this strong connection and she's willing to sacrifice everything to save the rest of the resistance especially leia yeah she's a, she's a great character and amazing yeah. hair 
I love the idea of like, yeah, I want Laura Dern in this movie. Uh, how do we make her kind of more alien-like or spacey? Make her hair purple. <laughs> Brilliant. And yeah. also, I think, were her eyes colored differently? That was something I caught when I rewatched it last week. I thought maybe her eyes were maybe so. shaded a little purple as well. Oh, they might be. They're like green or blue. Yeah. Also, she says pew pew <laughs> when she's shooting. Uh, when she shoots her gun, which, which rules. Um, there are two cases of that. Uh, Laura Dern does that, and then uh, uh, Ewan McGregor does that in the original ones. He makes the saber sounds, and they had to edit it out, which rules. Oh, and I think in the throne room fight, uh, Daisy Ridley was like screaming obscenities that they also had to edit out. Love it. Which is so te- so fun. Yeah. Well, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap things up here? I appreciate you guys sticking with me <laughs> for this episode. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is really fun. And again, Deanna, congratulations on 200 episodes. It's just absolutely amazing what you've done. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very proud of you for for getting for for doing so many episodes and for having so many like great guests on over the years to talk about so many different subjects. Congrats, Deanna. It's awesome. It's thank you. I could never do this. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Well done. Congrats, Deanna. Well, those are our Star Wars rankings. We might not have had Mike's true rankings, but he still told us which movies he likes, and we learned a lot about planets today. Those are true. (laughs) Mike is a single-issue voter. (laughs) Well, guys, thank you again, and... I don't know if there will be 200 more, but we'll aim for 100 more. (laughs) (laughs) I have faith. We'll come back and we'll re-rank Star Wars movies. We'll all do planets and he'll have to do. Or we'll we'll all pick our own metrics for what we'll do and we'll do a re-rank. Yeah, see, Deanna, now you got to do 200 more. That you put the pressure on yourself now. Okay. This is the curse that you have now been. See you in episode 400. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i claim best use of warwick davis oh man rogue one it's going to be a blast guys i have faith <laughs> good luck all right everyone that does it for this episode of welcome to geekdom if you want to support the podcast you can do so through our patreon you can sign up for a dollar a month that'll get you a thank you on the show two dollars a month you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.